Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the bestdoorprods.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Jump today, we have Rascal. Hi. No caveman this week. He needed to sleep. Yeah. He's a very tired man. Yes. But he is alive. He is alive. <laughs> well, as far as we're aware. Yeah. <laughs> we hope as well. <laughs> yeah, I do not want to have to find a third third chair. <laughs> oh, but anyway, yeah, we're talking about movies and stuff. Yeah, movies and television and the, the visual things you see on your screen. Yeah, so rascal. What are you even watching? Um, actually, I watched a, a few good movies, um, past two weeks. Um, oh, okay, let's get this out of the way. I was asked to watch the first 25 minutes of female per- perversions, um, by some friends, purely because, uh, Clancy Brown is in it. But of the 25 minutes I've watched, that is a wacky movie. I've never even fucking heard of it. It's got, um, fucking... It's got Clancy Brown in it, but the main lead is... A woman... Tilda Swinton? Oh, God. Yes, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, she's the main lead. Um, it's a very weird movie. Um, she is, uh, like a lawyer who's, you know, it's like the 80s. She's hot and sexy and sex-crazed and also a lawyer. Yeah. And it's, yeah. She She's, it's a, very, she's a career-focused 80s woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so she needs very, to get fucked. She needs to get fucked a lot by Clancy Brown in the, first, in the first 25 minutes <laughs> of this movie. Um, yeah, but it's very art house. If that's a way to describe it, it's very, it's not I'm, very. I'm watching it um, and there was a, there was a pool shaped like a crucifix. So yeah, I'm assuming it's. Yeah. It's art housey. And she also has a hallucination where she's like sexually assaulted by a dude, but it's just a hallucination. And then she just walks out of her office and she's all okay. And like, that's wild. And also Clance. Clancy Brown. I forgot his character's name, but Clancy brown at one point has a like a a razor like holding it in his mouth and he's like oh we're gonna shave your pussy darling like a like a a straight razor or like uh or like a no 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 it's it's a razor but it's on it's on the fucking stick oh okay that's it yeah so it's like a fucking two-blade disposable thing just in his mouth it's like hey guess what baby we're gonna fucking we're gonna fucking clear shave, up that cooch. Shave you and like Tilda Swinton has a can of shaving cream in her in her hand, and like that's wild. <laughs> Some people think that's hot. Apparently, <laughs> okay. I see the appeal of Clancy Brown with something in his mouth, and like I know, I guess a razor is dangerous, but I don't like the implication that he's going to shave um, a woman. Was it blue or with pink? His mouth. It was. I think it was blue. Okay, because it's just him walking out with a fucking, like, hot pink Gillette in his mouth. <laughs> trying, to, trying to make that sexual. I mean, he could probably cool it, um, pull it off. He's, he's Clancy Brown. Yeah, I, I know, but um, it's it'd just be like everything else is working except for, like, that one little bit around the mouth. 
Just crop that out and replace it with something else. Yeah, replace it. It's, God, it's a weird movie. There's also a plot with um, Tilda Swinton's, not her actual sister, but her character's sister, and how she's like, um, I think a kleptomaniac is the one where you're like, you just have to steal things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a very, very weird movie. With lots of sex in it, I think. You think? Yeah. I mm. <laughs> Well, I only watched the first 25 minutes, which had two sex scenes and an assault scene. So there is so, sex. There is sex. I don't know if there's any more after that, but like considering Tilda Swinton's character in this movie, I'm going to assume that there's and definitely And considering the more. fact that the film is called Female Perversions? Yeah, I mean, well, okay. Well, the... You can have other things related to female perversions. Perversions isn't just sex, but do, oh boy, is it? Dude, is it it's is a, in this movie. Dude, it's a fucking American movie from 1996. It's about yeah. fucking. <laughs> it's about fucking. <laughs> oh. Also, I yeah, looked. Yeah, so that was female yeah. perversions. Also, I looked it up. Um, no real fucking. It's not your fault. You couldn't pronounce. You couldn't remember John, uh, Clancy Brown's character's name because his character's name is John. Oh, I thought his name was Rosie. <laughs> no, cause, okay. I literally I just remembered it when you said his name was John because Tilda Swinton calls him Rosie. He's like, oh, Rosie, come fuck me. And it's like, oh, okay. The character's name's Rosie. Yeah, maybe but, it's a pet um, name. Yeah, maybe it's a pet name or his last name or something. Um, yeah. On yeah. Wikipedia, no last name listed. He's just John. He's just John. Okay. He's a geologist. He is a geologist. He's a fancy big geologist man who, like, you know, he's, like, brokering million-dollar deals and stuff. I'm now Um, imagining him just, like, coming into the room holding a small rock hammer in his mouth or, like, one of those brushes used to dust off fucking artifacts. (laughs) It's girl, we gonna bust open that pussy. (laughs) (laughs) This is fucking hilarious. (laughs) We're actually, actually, it'd be more like... Girl, I'm gonna bust open that pussy. <laughs> like a yard. <laughs> and she's like, "Wait, no. what?" Takes it out. Sorry about that. So I'm gonna fuck you. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. No, no, okay. Yeah, Tilda Swinton would have begun like, "Wait, what?" No, she'd be like, "Oh, all for it, Rosie." Oh God. <laughs> no, the wait, what? Yeah, this kid couldn't understand because he had a rock hammer in his mouth. Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think she'd still been up for it, so it would have been, like, all sexy. But, yeah, that's... I think that's just a movie where Tilda Swinton and Clancy Brown just just have fun for the first 25 minutes. I'm trying to picture it, and I can only picture... And I, can only pri- I can only picture current Clancy Brown. I mean, that's just, just old, as fine. Du- just old, dumpy Clancy Brown. He... Clancy Brown is still fine in this day and age, okay? So you can certainly see him. He's in like a okay, I'll let me describe this scene with the with the shaving cream. It's You don't have to. Tilda Swinton she walks in. Everybody who's everybody in. who's fucking watched this movie or listened to this podcast has already seen Starship Troopers. They know when Clancy Brown was good looking. In his prime. <laughs> Clancy Brown is still in his prime. <laughs> That's what I'm. I mean, that's the leg I'm standing on. Have you seen the behind-the-scenes footage for Detroit Become Human? Yes, and he's still he's still just as hot. <laughs> even in even in the fucking 
black suit with white dots all over him. He's still, yep. He's still Even in the mocap body condom. He, yep. He's still fine for him, Clancy Brown. Um, oh, that game's bad. Yeah. That game is very bad. But I liked the twink and the cop. Oh, Monsieur David Cage, you've done it again. Oh, David Cage, go die in the hole, please. Thank you. Yeah, go throw yourself in the android pit. Yep, off you go. Bye. Our game now. <laughs> no, he comes back and leads um, a revolution before getting shot in the fucking face. <laughs> it's like, nope, we're not having none of that, Cage. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want rights for video no, game designers. <laughs> Clancy Brown is still, is still good looking. Um, but I guess... 80s, 90s, Clancy Brown is still just as good looking as he is now. Um, and uh, the God, it's a fucking weird movie. I just have the image of Clancy Brown with the razor in his mouth, and like he's like hovering over Tilda Swinton with like you know her ankles on his shoulder, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna shave this, aren't we?" And it's like, mm, this is a weird movie, but I watched that. Yeah, then cut to the next scene where she's just like very awkwardly moving her underwear because she has razor burn. Yeah. Oh gosh, I forgot oh, the better that. razor. <laughs> why did I get a why did I get a fucking why did I get a fucking bulk pack from the dollar store? Shit. Yeah, I think. Well, no, she also got shaving cream. Like you can like still get razor it. burn when down yeah, when I shaving know. down there. Shit gets weird. <laughs> okay, take your word for it. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I also watched a short film that uh, I was also requested to watch. Yeah, if You Had Been the Moon by Peter McGough. Um, it's like 10 minutes. It's noir, so it's black and white. Uh, but it's like a surrealist film. Um which I haven't seen a lot of in my time in watching movies. I know there's going to be a movie uh, coming up soon in theaters that's like a sur- sur- surrealist comedy, I think. Yeah. Uh, Is it's that the... one White People Voice one? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't remember the fucking name of it. It's with Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Mm, it is... Uh, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, so it's that kind of similar kind of genre of it's surrealist, but um, this is a lot more romantically inclined. Uh, it's about two dudes in like you know the thirties, and they're like you know it's like the movie scene. So like everyone's like you know doing auditions and stuff like that. And this one dude, he just has a a weird old fun time writing a a poetic letter. That has the title in it, if you had been the moon. And um, the last shot in this movie is the dude taking the photo of another actor out of a magazine, looking at it, lying down, and then placing the photo on his dick. I think you've had a week. <laughs> 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 it's great movie. <laughs> oh no, I'm sure. It's very okay. It's 
if you're someone who likes to look at pieces of literature, but if you're someone who likes to look at texts and analyze them, you're going to have a field day with this movie because it's so with how gay it is. Text nuts. <laughs> There's even a scene where there's a, just a series of men looking at magazines and they're like, oh, you're flaming youth, queer stories, true confessions. And it's like, oh, okay. And then uh, literally this scene where he pulls out the photo of a man and puts it on his dick, the, the page that he pulls it from the magazine, it has, um, our love was never meant to be. <laughs> On the page is like an advertisement. It's wild and wacky. There's also a scene in the movie where like they've blown up a letter into like a poster board and then um, they've cut out a little hole for these men to put their eyes and like noses and mouths through. It's so weird. But I think that's what makes it surrealist. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just pushing out through these ones. Um, have you ever seen Infinity Chamber? I don't think so. Okay. I realize now that I've gone to Infinity Chamber that I've watched a lot of wacky movies these past two weeks. Just saying okay. wacky a lot. And I'm assuming that's a, I'm assuming that's a fucking... Have you just watched people fuck? No, no, there's no fucking in Infinity Chamber. I don't think. No. <laughs> um, I love that in every one of these, you don't know if people fuck. Well, I don't know if it's like you know, if you analyze the text, if you go, mm, they probably have fucked, but it's not on screen, so it's like you know, you're not having, you know, watch them kiss or whatever. Um, but like, the, yes, you know, that's the most the- that's the most sexual thing you can do on film. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um, no, Infinity Chamber is a sci-fi kind of movie um, about one man in a max security prison uh, who's alone in his cell and he's being looked after by a robot. Um, but the thing is what this movie does is it makes you question a lot about this man's situation. So the first 20 minutes is dedicated to thinking, oh, is the man this prisoner is talking to actually a dude or is it a computer? Um, which is really cool. So it's a Turing test? Uh, yeah, it's like the Turing test, but um, yeah, I guess it is like the Turing test. Uh, like, like, the, the like the entire lies. movie trying to figure out like, hey, is this thing like a person or a computer? No, not the whole movie. It's like the first twenty mo- uh, twenty minutes. Because once once the dude, once the prisoner has established that this uh, this person he's speaking to is a computer, the plot changes to um, how he's going to escape, and that's pretty much the rest of the movie. With another subplot of what's going on with his dreams and the woman he's fallen in love with in his dreams. Um, it's also a political movie, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's this dude is like a political prisoner because he's accidentally been mistaken 
for a revolution leader. Uh, I feel like this is spoilers. Uh, no, that's within the first twenty minutes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's yeah he's essentially he's been mistaken for someone else, and then he's put into a high security prison, and he's told that oh no, this is just a processing stage, and after the pr- and then you know you can go to court and prove you're not you know bad but this dude picks up early on that that's not how the government works he's going to be stuck in there forever or sent somewhere else because there is no such thing as the court in this setting um oh this movie was made in like 2009 it feels like a 90s movie (laughs) okay no 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 you laugh, but like the camera quality, how it was shot, I think even the plot seems very nineties. Like you know how where we had that period of like, oh yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots a dude, and then we had sci-fi movies that were questioning reality. Yeah, that fits into that category. This movie, Infinity Chamber, fits into that category of the movies of the nineties, but it was made in like. The like it was made in like two thousand and nine, so I'm thinking either they made it in the nineties and then it just did not get released until then, or the writer and director and the production crew were like, we're going to remake something into the higher quality that we noticed in the nineties, but we're not getting now in like the late two thousands. Okay. Yeah, no, honestly, it honestly if I felt like I was watching something from 98, not 2009. Um just you know, it had a political structure of oh, America is um kind of, you know, under a sole- uh, oh, America's on fucking state. fire. Uh, essentially, it's like oh, America's under a surveillance state. Oh, no, like you know, they 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 captured me because of a glitch in the system and all that kind of stuff. Um and of course, the unnecessary uh, romantic subplot with a woman in his memory slash dreams that he falls in love with, but isn't real. Did you ever see the movie Source Code? No. It's a similar kind of thing with that, where uh, like Jig Gyllenhaal is he's part of the, he's part of the military. And he's in this fucking big bubble thing, basically. There's like this big fucking circular room and the people outside are saying like, hey, we have we have essentially made time travel kind of, but it's only in a virtual simulation. So the Jake Gyllenhaal goes back in time in a virtual simulation, supplanting somebody else from a train that crashed and he has to try to figure out how it crashed and why and who did it. But of course, but he falls in love with a character, Michelle Moynihan. Mm. But she's not a. I think, but she, she is technically a real person, but she's not a real, real person because she's, uh, she's a simulation of a memory someone else had. Yeah, that's literally what this is. Is this dude goes back into the same memory over and over again as a simulation, and he just falls in love with someone who used to be a person, but now is just a not real person in his memory. That's exactly it. Okay, what came first? Do you got Wikipedia open? Uh, yes. So. Okay. Source code. So source code came out in 2011. 
and Infinity Infinity Chamber, Chamber 2016. 2016. Oh wow. Wasn't 2009? Holy shit. It was a 2016 movie? Oh, actually, sorry. 2017. For some reason, IMDb lists two different dates. Oh, it does that sometimes. Depends on the um release date in certain areas. September like if you yep, get... September 15th, 2017. Originally showing at a film festival in May 2016. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, it is actually a 2016 movie. Honestly, if you watch this, it is a 90s movie. You are transported back to the late 90s, early 2000s. It's not a 2016 movie. The quality of the camera, the the shots it takes, the plot, everything, even the like, you know, the commentary on America, it feels like um it feels like a pre Twin Towers uh setting mm-hmm. before, you know, 9/11. It feels like it's a pre 9/11 movie. It does not feel like a post 9/11 American movie. It's from the writer of Pandorum. I don't. I haven't watched that movie either. A movie with Dennis Quaid and Ben Ben Foster that currently is rocking a twenty-eight on Metacritic. Oh, <laughs> we might have to watch it. <sighs> yeah. Oh, we got an award. So anyway, anything else? good movie i'd watch i mean watch it again purely for the nostalgia factor of a 90s movie made in 2016 i think that's like that's such a novelty that like you could definitely watch the movie and then even if you don't like it you can at least agree that this was not made in this era it it feels like it's been like teleported or time traveled to just now and be released and i'm very impressed by that all right, cool. Anything else? Um, oh, I watched a horror movie, Before I Wake. Bef- Have you seen it? It sounds familiar. It's on Netflix currently. You may have seen it, like this little thumbna- thumbnail. No, I don't. Wait, maybe. <laughs> it's the one about the haunted kid, right? Uh, yeah, the kid, I mean, he's not haunted, but yeah, it is about a kid. Jacob Tremblay? Um, child? Is that the cactus? Is that the actor? Yeah, it's the cactus who played the child. I think so. I don't know the, the actor's name. No, I can't I, even remember the main character's name. Kate Bosworth. Oh, okay. And Thomas Jane is in it. And somebody called Dash Mihawk. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we looking at the same movie? I think so. Just fucking talk about the movie and I'll we'll figure out if it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is Jacob Tremblay. Yep, yep, you're all right. <laughs> 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 I had to look it up. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Uh, Before I Wake, it's a horror movie. It's actually a really clever horror movie. Um, It doesn't deal with, like, ghosts or anything like that. It's more about this one kid who, whenever he falls asleep, his dreams and his nightmares uh, come to life in the real world and actually can affect the real world and stuff and of course you know it's a very oh butterflies everywhere that's all lovey-dovey but the underlying fear and um it's like oh butterflies great why are they melting my skin fuck yeah it's like oh butterflies great oh my god there's a monster in the doorway that's like you know it's like that underlying there's like the underlying fear that this poor boy his nightmares would come to life and um and his nightmare does come to life and eats people. So that's like that tension of, oh, whenever he goes to sleep, you're possibly in danger. Um, but it's a very, very clever movie because it's not the general like, oh, this kid is cursed and his dreams to always come to life. Or it's like, oh, he's just cursed with or he's just possessed or haunted by this one bad thing that makes his dreams come to life. He's it's got a dead grandma in his soul, touching his soul dick and making his nightmares come alive. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that. Like, I can honestly see <laughs> someone writing this kind of movie and going, oh, yeah, it's just going to be that. But it's actually really clever. They explain it very early on in the movie that, um, you know, the dreams are essentially just us uh understanding things that we saw and and all that kind of stuff like throughout the day and like you know our subconscious is just going through the motions and understanding what we feel and stuff so they set it up very early on is that this kid projects his feelings and stuff into his dreams and since he's had a very traumatic childhood that trauma kind of turns into a monster uh-huh. So like it's like it's like oh that's that's smart but you also get a very good scare of just <laughs> a, just a monster slowly absorbing a man into him and then knocking out a woman it's like whoa it's spooky Okay then um yeah looking at some stills of this stuff and hearing the kind of description of it <clears throat> I don't know. It seems kind of like wasted potential. Oh, it's not. Oh, no, 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 no. Just, oh, like, no, just like no. we're describing it. It's like, yeah, so we got fucking like butterflies and stuff. And then there is a monster. Like, like it just seems like. It- no. Okay. It's very much. I, I'm, I'm very much being vague because uh-huh. I don't want to spoil too much. But it's it's like. You know, they they set it up very early on because this boy, you know, he reads a book about butterflies and then that night he has butterflies in his dreams. So they set it up that, you know, his subconscious is just taking things and then turning it into reality. But um, throughout the movie, they explain it that because this kid has had, had such trauma and... Um, he's just trying to understand it all. It then becomes the monster that haunts him. So then he's just re-traumatized by that, and it's an endless loop of trauma. So it's not. Uh, it's like 
in the terms of like actually taking physically what's happening in the movie, that's kind of really interesting. But if you took it more of a meta level and you didn't see this as a kid being haunted by a monster, but more as a kid being haunted by his traumatic past, that then it, it just adds another layer of, oh, this movie isn't just about a haunting. This movie or like, you know, about a monster in his under his bed. This movie is actually about, you know, a kid in the foster system being scared and being scared of being abandoned and being scared well, no, of no, being that, that, that's, that, that's really what I mean. I'm talking about like it's a movie about dreams, but it's, yeah, all dreams the dreams, you, all the dreams you've described so far have been very literal. Yes, it, it literally. It's, it's, I think it's like, it's it's like oh, he sees butterflies. And then he has a dream about butterflies, and there's nothing else weird about the butterflies. They are just fucking butterflies, but shiny. Well, no, they do corrupt. Like, okay, there's another instance in this movie where um, he's okay. He's essentially adopted by these by this couple whose son has died, and um, this this kid he sees a picture of the son, and then you know he's able to recreate him in his dream. But as the time goes on, and like the mom is like, "Oh shit, my boy can come back if we keep showing this." adopted kid all these images of him but the kids emotions affect it and then you get some really scary scenes of this dead kid like coming to life and being alive but like you know there's like butterflies flying out of his mouth and stuff like that and like you know he's turned into you know some kind of worse nightmare which you could probably see from a kid having a nightmare but you know, when it's actually in real life and you're touching it and stuff like this woman is, it's terrifying. Oh, and like, uh, it's yeah, like, no, I, I get that. But just like dreams yeah. are very much talked about surrealism earlier. That's dreams. Yeah. But, but, this like, is but, like, like, but like the way that this... you've been describing it, it's like, ah, so his dreams come to life, but he dreams in very rigid. This is, this is reality. So these are like this, these are like this. And then as things get worse, it's like, oh yes, we combined elements from an earlier dream with this dream. And that makes it scary. And it's not like, it's not like the, it's not like the butterflies are like, Hey, here are the people. Hey, these butterflies have like people faces on them or whatever. But then as time progresses, the faces get fucking the teeth rip out and then fucking flip inside out. And the butterflies turn into fucking meat demons or whatever. Okay. You know how there's like levels of dreams like you know like lucid dreaming and then like proper like you're dead kind of sleep and you don't know what you were dreaming while you were asleep you know yeah. like you know that kind of stuff yeah they kind of take it like that so i always thought that the butterflies were the lucid dreamings so they were like oh yeah this is just what's on the top of my mind butterflies but the monster isn't just a the monster isn't something this kid has seen and then is projecting and this monster also isn't a monster that's possessing this kid or whatever this monster is just a trauma of like an abandonment visualized no, by I, a I, I six-year-old kid i get that yeah that's not, but that's not like, you know, that's not like this kid just making butterflies. It's like a very smart kind of thinking of it's not just going to be a monster. This is going to be a kid's trauma haunting him. Yeah, and, and, and I get metaphors. It's life. just what I'm saying yeah. is from what I have seen, this kid dreams very boring. Oh, yeah. This is not, he's not that creative. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, like I mean, that that, dealing... that is that is my whole thing. That is what I've been saying this entire time. Like oh. nothing about fucking metaphors or anything. It is just 
dreams are surreal and fucking crazy and shit. This kid, he dreams in, I see, I saw butterflies, thus I dreamed about butterflies. I saw a dead kid, so I dream about a dead kid. My dreams are getting worse, so now the dead kid has butterflies. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he is also, like, six, and I, I don't think they were going for, like, a surrealist. Yeah, I, I get that he's six, medium. but your subconscious yeah. don't give a fuck how old you are. Yeah, I know, I know. But I don't think the female, the, the well, filmmakers like hell, he, were like hell, he saw a picture of he saw a picture of their kid. Then he makes a cardboard cutout of their kid. Because he doesn't know yeah. fucking dick about that kid's personality. And the mom just tries to force no, it more and more and more. And so then the kid just becomes this weird fucking like blank face amalgam of all these different snapshots of this kid's life until eventually he's just screaming to die. Yeah, that's pretty much that's a good plot. That's a good summary of one of the plot points in this. But it's um. But I mean, okay, seeing it from this point of view, are you going to make a sur- surrealist movie, or are you going to make a comprehensive movie that's got some scares in it? You can do both. I know you can do both, but if you're a filmmaker, like which one's easier? <laughs> that shouldn't be your fucking go-to for movie making. <laughs> I know, but that's that's kind of the reality of it. See, I just. I can I could recognize the plot and see like the metaphors and the underlying and the layers of the movie and that's what intrigues me. Like I know it's like oh it's just you know I know you like you probably want more in terms of like spookiness but some of the, but most of the scenes that are terrifying and then they just become more terrifying once you realize what the monster represents. Okay. It just it feels like you keep trying to counter what I'm saying by not addressing what I'm saying. Well, no, I addressed it. It's yeah. He's he's not a smart ki- he's not a smart nor creative kid. He if he dreams of but if, if he sees a butterfly, he's going to dream of butterflies. But like that's not it, it's not like you know that's just one aspect to the overall whole of the movie. Anyway, okay. I don't really know. I don't really know what other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, if, but if, it's if a you're good going, movie. if you're going for fucking metaphor and all the other shit, go into the surrealism of dreams. Well, that's it. Go I don't fucking full paprika. I'm just. I'm pretty sure this movie isn't about the surrealism of dreams. It's about trauma. And I'm not saying the movie is about surrealism. Movie. I'm saying the movie should delve into more. I get, I get what the fuck you're saying. I get that the movie is about fucking yeah. abandonment and all the other shit. What I'm saying is, make it metaphor, make it fucking interesting visually, and not just oh he dreamed, oh he saw butterflies, read about butterflies. Oh he has abandonment issues, so there's a monster that's killing people. I mean, they do make it visually interesting. It. <laughs> Have you watched the movie? Dead. No, I've seen trailers for the movie, and it was some butterflies, and then horror. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's the first five minutes. They're just giving away the first five minutes of the movie. It's honestly, they do make it visually interesting, and they kind of they turn 
these concepts and these fears and these dreams into something that's terrifying, but it's not surreal because you can get a comprehensive narrative out of it. You're not you're, guessing. You're under you're this, you're under this fucking it. idea that, that having something be surreal means that you can't have it be coherent. No, but like, that's that is what you said. That's what is you that, said. You said it's not surreal. Yeah. So you can have a story in it. No, I mean, surrealism is not necessarily a very comprehensive narrative. It's more of like an emotion kind of narrative. What the fuck is a dream then? It can be anything. You can have very lucid dreams, which I think is what this kid is having, and make that a comprehensive thing. But also dreams don't have to be surreal. Let's move on before I start screaming more. Okay, okay. (laughs) Have you watched Event Horizon? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. I watched that this week as well. Event Horizon's fucking great. It is. It's my favorite movie. Um, <laughs> which is <laughs> okay then. <laughs> it's my favorite movie, along with Kung Fu Panda Two. Um, really? Yeah. Huh. Those are my those are my two favorite movies, and I think they just des- describe me as a person very well. Well, already then. Um, Where we're yeah, going, no, we don't need eyes to skadoosh. Oh no, they didn't. He didn't. Okay, whatever. <laughs> we can't talk about Kung Fu Panda two, but I haven't seen it this within this past two weeks. I was finding. Um, I was trying to find a way to really terribly combine those two from a saying from one of the movies. Okay, I know you don't yeah. need eyes to skadoosh, but fucking go with me on this. <laughs> no, I refuse. We're gonna argue all the whole recording. We lose caveman. We lose a moderating voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I love her uh, Event Horizon. It's such a good movie. Um and it's bad CGI. Like it was made in 97. It's a it's bad CGI. Uh like like you can see it like, like with the water effects, the uh like the trash that live that just hang out in low gravity. It's very bad. And not all of the acting is great. Um, Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishbo- uh, Fishburne, uh, the two, I think, main uh, actors who, like, had a proper full-on career. Because Sam Neill did Jurassic Park, and uh, recently he was in Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, and Sam then, Neill's still fucking getting work done. Yeah, he's he's still a pretty good actor. And Lawrence Fishburne, of course, Matrix. Um... And I think most recently he was on the Hannibal TV show. Yeah. Yeah, he was on Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah, he was on Hannibal. So, like, both of these actors are still getting work. And I think maybe this wasn't, this movie wasn't Lawrence Fishburne's greatest acting gig. But I mean, he's, he's no, still. We all know, we all well. know that that, we all know that Lawrence Fishburne's greatest role was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Oh, sorry, Dream Children. <laughs> Dream Children, yeah. It wasn't Dream Warriors? Yes, that was definitely his greatest role. Um, yeah, that was back, I think, when he went by Larry. What? When did he go by Larry? I think early in his career, he was Larry Fishburne. Oh, my God. I can't picture him as a Larry. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Yeah, Dream Child is the fourth one. Right, one of the right, a fucking 
one of the characters, I think, from Dream Warriors passes on her power to somebody else, and then she... Okay. Pass on her power to somebody else, and then... And then Freddy tries to come back to life by possessing that by possessing that character's baby, her un her unborn child, using her own fucking fetus to fucking spread himself out back out into the world. <laughs> I like Nightmare on Elm Street. I haven't seen all the movies. I'm totally lost. <laughs> yeah, so there was Elm oh, Street okay. one, which was just fucking Elm Street. Street, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where somebody el- where some other fucking guy moves into Nancy's house and then Freddy starts trying to possess him to come back to life. Okay, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, where Nancy becomes a like psychiatrist, I think, or begins working in a mental hospital talking to kids and whatever. And sh- and one of the ki- one of the people there, they have the ability to suck people into their dreams. And so Freddy starts using that to like fucking pull them in, whatever. But then Nancy starts training them to be able to essentially lucid dream and have dream superpowers. Okay. Go to Elm Street 4, which is the dream master, where that girl dies and passes on the powers to somebody else, I believe. Who she then starts, she then starts fucking accidentally pulling people into her dreams and getting them killed. Dream Child, okay. that character has a kid. Uh, well, is, is pregnant with a kid, and it's like, oh, Freddy's dead. But then Freddy starts using his fucking using that unborn child to manipulate and try to force force his way back into the world. Then after that was Freddy's dead, which had Brecken Meyer in it, who who I believe got killed by a Nintendo Power Glove. <laughs> And was okay, and wait, was about and was about Freddy's hitherto unknown daughter. I uh, okay. And then New Nightmare, where it is the fucking, where it is the um, it's it's the meta one, the where meta. Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy in the original movies, is just playing Heather Langenkamp, <laughs> and is now and is set to reprise her role as Nancy for a new Freddy movie, but then Freddy starts killing the production crew. Okay. Yeah, Wes Craven is in the movie as himself. Do you think at that point they were like, we've kind of run out of ideas? Yeah, that's why it's the last movie. Okay, that's good. Well, before they rebooted it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, New Nightmare was, alright, this is the final fucking... This is the final fucking thing. We're just going to go out with a bang. Let's have fucking Freddy kill Wes Craven. And then... And then from there they rebooted it and it was terrible. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. Like I forgot one. Freddy versus Jason. Oh, yeah. But that's like a crossover movie. Yeah, but it is still... It's real solid. <laughs> I really like that movie. Oh, okay then. I know. I when whenever we're talking about franchises, I never count crossover movies because they're kind of in their own realm of like movies, and it doesn't matter whether how good or or like bad they are. It's like yeah, but it's a crossover, so does it technically count as part of a franchise? 
canon timeline if it's um you know a character versus a character like alien versus predator uh from the looks of it it actually is canon oh my god but that, that's assuming that's well that that's it is kind of called into question whether or not it's canon because it does kind of contradict the events that happened in um, Jason X. Yeah. Because in Jason X, for those that don't know, um, in like in like you know late nineties, very early two thousands, before um, before two thousand three, when this movie takes place, um, Jason was frozen and then thought out like hundreds of years in the future. When hockey is extinct. Wait. Oh, wait, hockey? Yeah. Jason wears a hockey mask. Yeah, but hockey's in- extinct? Yeah, like, like so, so, so they go, so, like, a bunch of fucking future archaeology, like, history students find him, and he goes, he's wearing a mask from what appears to be an ancient sport known as hockey. Oh my god. Jason X is great. It's terrible. I love it. <laughs> I mean, if you're living in a world where hockey doesn't exist, like how good of a world is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Let me just say, I'm Canadian. I would take I would take fucking future sci-fi tech over hockey any day. Okay, fair. I'd probably say I'd probably say the same if we were talking about critic cricket. Right, Australia. Yeah. I didn't know if you. I thought you guys' sport was like I don't know boomerangs. No, that's a hunting method. Um, yeah, but so shooting and people no, shoot for sport. That's not good. <laughs> don't shoot for sport, please. Only shoot for food. Um, no, we have. No, no, I, 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 don't, I don't even mean shooting animals. I mean like target practice, skeet shooting. Oh. That's a thing that, people do. That I mean, I know that's like a thing you can do to like hone your skills. Yeah, people do that that's professionally. The thing you hone the skills. Oh, see, we do that here to hone your skills for when you go hunting. <laughs> yeah, there are some people who are like, "Hey, I like shooting guns, but I don't like killing things." That's weird. So I'm gonna shoot fucking clay plates that are thrown by a mechanical arm. But isn't the point is that you're meant to think of it as like a bird? Oh, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, you you can think of it as a bird if you want, but it's a plate. It's, yeah, I guess it's a plate. Um. Well, a Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors that came out in '87, and Event Horizon came out in '97. So Lawrence Fishburne had a good ten years. And I think, oh, when did The Matrix came out? Uh, like, 99, I think. 99, okay. I think Lawrence Fishburne did a lot better of a job in The Matrix than he did in Event Horizon. But, like, I mean, he's still, like, a far better actor than some of the actors in the rest of the cast. <laughs> Which is, like, you know, not to, not to throw shade, but I think it's Lawrence Fishburne. And also Sam Neill. Like, you've got two of those in the same movie. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is fucking... He's, he's great. Yeah, he's really good. And he's got a nice voice, too. Um, this is, like, okay. 
it's my favorite movie, but her uh, event horizon is not great. Uh, the kind of like perspective character of Dr. Weir, who's played by Sam Neill, he's like actually the archetype of like evil scientist, yet he's a perspective um, character, which yeah, I think is a little the, weird. I think that's the point. I Yeah, I guess it is the point, but I think that's a weird angle to take for a movie. Because um, I think generally, you know, that would have been like a character archetype that you could have used for some scares, but instead he's the uh, perspective character. So then you just become like a little conflicted while watching everyone else react. And the plot is a bit wacky. Like oh, there's a hell. whole scene. Huh? Well, yeah, they, they go to hell. Yeah, they fucking just like boop through hell. Yeah, the ship went to hell and came back alive. And, and like, they're like, oh, God, everything's terrible. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, but, like, Dr. Weird dies and then the ship brings him back. Which is weird. <laughs> I would rather I would have rather he just survived the thing and then came back but not like you know that he's just floating around in space and then there's another one that the ship makes like that's that's weird that's a bit that's a bit weird to think about um and they've also nah, got bro, like a hell. fake it's out fine. I guess yeah it's hell they've also got a fake out scene near the end um where it's resolved so it's not actually a fake out which is and then there's a whole scene dedicated to uh, just characters trying not to be sucked out the window of a spaceship, but it takes like almost 20 minutes, and I'm pretty sure by that point of time, all the air would have left the spaceship. And that's fine. Born. They got fucking. Yeah. They got fucking water. Ge- they got the air generators. Yeah, <laughs> and at one point in this 20-minute scene, Lawrence Fishburne isn't even trying to act anymore in the terms of being pushed out towards the window. He's just hanging out on the other side of a door trying to save someone. But it's like, like yeah, it's cool, I'm fine, I'm fine, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I think at that point you're just too tired and you're like, yeah, okay, here you go. <laughs> at that point he's like, call me Lawrence. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I, like when production began, he was Larry, but then he, they switched over to Lawrence midway through. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh, it's Larry." Oh, wait, no, sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, like, I said, "Call me Lawrence." <laughs> uh, yeah. So the okay, there's not many good qualities to this movie. CGI is bad. The plot's wacky. The perspective character is probably not on the right one. Uh, and, uh, there's a few scenes that don't make any sense and that were probably, you know, everyone was just tired on set and just got over with. Uh, but what I will say for this movie is that the subtle background world building is actually really clever. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't give that, like, you know, credit to, um... I don't know, the director or the producer or, like, even the writer. I'd actually give it to the clothing designers, the, uh, the uh, you know, the people who, like, actually get costumes and stuff? Yeah. Because, Wardrobe. uh, 
yeah, wardrobe, that's it, wardrobe. Uh, because um, Dr. Weir, our character, who's played by Sam Neill, who is a New Zealander, he's actually, I guess, playing an Australian character because uh, he's got the an Aussie flag patch on his, like, jumpsuit. But uh, I think in a very political move, it's not the current Australian flag. It's actually the Australian flag with the Aboriginal flag in re- um, that replaces the Union Jack. And I think that's that's very political. In the future. Sci-fi yeah, it's like, in the future, we've disregarded our colonism roots and we've given it back to the original people of this land. Like, oh, that's actually really progressive for a bad sci-fi movie from the 90s. Do you think when they hired Sam Neill, they thought he was Australian? Yes. Definitely. 100%. I think he was hired as an Australian to play an Australian actor and they like, did not realize he's actually a New Zealander. No, he, he kept saying Most it, to, but Paul W. Sanderson was like, man, fucking shut up, dude. We're going to get this shit. We're fucking wallabies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely 100% what, what went down. <laughs> I truly do not think they thought that he was a New Zealander, which is hilarious because he's wearing a progressive... Australian flag. <laughs> <laughs> Two <laughs> steps forward, think, one step back. Yeah, which I think is also even funnier because the New Zealand and the Australian flag is actually kind of similar. <laughs> 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 oh, I just, oh, that's hilarious. I, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, but um, what's also funny is that uh, there's actually an Irish... Uh, an Irish character, and he has the uh, EU uh, flag on his uh, jacket. So, like, whoever was doing wardrobe, I think they were... I think they were on the ball in terms of flags and stuff. They're like, oh, your country part of the EU? EU? Well, then you probably have an EU flag instead of your country's flag. And it's like, oh, you're Australian? Well, this is, like, 30 years in the future from now. Well, maybe, actually... So actually, question. No, it is 30 years in the future. So here's a question. Since, so, so I don't know how much you know about, like, this stuff, but Northern Ireland. Okay. When, Ireland when, is currently in two. Yeah, I know. But, like, when yeah. England left the EU, yes. did Northern Ireland go with it? I believe that's still currently a topic of debate. And does Scotland go with it? Does... I don't. I don't. I know Scotland hates England. I think once again, it's a topic of debate. Um, England kind of fucking I'm sucks. Not... Yeah, I'm not from England. I don't live in that part of the world, so no, I I'm, no I'm, aw- I'm aware of that. But yeah. you are closer to. It it seems it seems like you through education would have would know more about the England side of things than I the Canadian would. What? I don't know why. I mean, we, I I guess technically we're still, you know, in the Commonwealth, but this, your I mean, flag has their flag in it. Yeah, exactly. Well, not in this movie, we don't. But yeah, I see it. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so I, I, no, I guess I guess from that I guess from that I just kind of assumed that you would know more about this than I do. Yeah, no, we're not actually taught 
anything about England, only the fact that Captain Cook, the, like, the dude who founded Australia, was, like, from there. But that's pretty much it. And that the Union Jack is their flag, and that's why we've got it on our flag. So, like, um, so, like, in, like, grade fucking whatever history class, it's like, all right, so some English prick came over here, said, hey, this is mine, kicked all the names out, and there we have Australia. Moving on. Yeah, that's pretty much the end. I think that's, like, year nine, year eight. They're like, oh, yeah. But yeah, I like, never... So, I history never class, good. England, fuck them. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I never... Under- okay, I didn't understand the difference between the British Empire and England until I was, like, 16. I thought they were just the same thing. Like, when you said, oh, yeah, Britain and, like, the United Kingdom and England, I thought that was all just the one place and that this one place had just many, many names. But it turns out, no, (laughs) that's multiple things and different things. So I'm not really the right person to ask. But I believe... So UK and Britain are the same thing, but it's separate from England. Yeah, yeah. See, I thought they were all just the one thing. I'm learning. Yeah. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago that was about an English soldier trapped in Northern Ireland during the during like fucking war shit happening. And I could never remember the fucking name of it. There's so many war movies. And okay, filmmakers, no, no, I'm just going to th- tell this, you. This is a war movie that's set in a time where I don't see a lot of war movies. Like how many how many fucking movies are following well, like yeah, like the movie, like a movie about like hey yeah, it's the fucking enemy soldier, it's a soldier behind enemy lines, but it's a soldier behind enemy lines in Northern Ireland. You know what? Yeah, I guess that is definitely new. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything about. You know, there's not fifty movies about a, a British, like, of an English soldier in Northern Ireland, but then okay, it's like okay, I fucking th- finally, god damn it, I. Okay, it's called 71. 71? Yeah, it is set during the early years of the Troubles. <laughs> Don't know what that is. <laughs> I think that's a part of uh, English history we're never going to understand. The Troubles was an ethno-nationalist conflict in Northern Ireland during the late 20th century. Originally, also known internationally as the Northern Ireland Conflict... It is sometimes described as a quote-unquote guerrilla war or a low-level war. The conflict began in the late 60s and is usually deemed to have ended on Good Friday uh, with the Good Friday Agreement of 1998. That war went on for 30 years. Yeah, England definitely fucked over Ireland. Like England fucked over everyone, dude. England did fuck over everyone, including Australia. Yeah, um, Australia, Ireland, Scotland, India. The rest of the world. Africa. Yeah. Africa. <laughs> like, yeah, just um, all of that shit. England was like, yeah, I'm going to just put my dick in all this. Yep. Yeah. 71. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've actually seen any other movie that's set in that uh, time period or that setting. Like, that's, that's pretty unique. But there's also a hundred million thousand war movies. And can we please stop having that, Hollywood? No, we can't. War like, movies are easy to I shoot like, and they are good for patriotism. I would like one year of napping from just, just no more. We all have a good sleep on war movies and we don't make another one for a good while. Well, get fucked. 
<laughs> and isn't it also like Oscar bait? Also, yeah, of course it fucking movies? is. Fucking yeah, Hacksaw Ridge won an Oscar, man. God. For editing. <laughs> okay, wait, no. We shouldn't discredit. No, we should. There's a scene <laughs> in that movie where it is where it is a young child staring at a mural of Jesus or whatever, and then it's in slow motion as huge as fucking um what's his goddamn name? Uh fucking Elrond. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah, where that guy comes in and it's just like in slow motion, I'm gonna have to beat you now. That's a scene from that fucking movie. <laughs> and it won an Oscar. Also, the way it's edited, it's edited to make the Japanese look like horrible faceless monsters. Yeah, but isn't it um from the perspective of an American? <laughs> yes, but that's not what the Japanese are. Like I thought it was I thought it was like I thought it was like relatively well established that the Nazis were the bad ones. The Japanese were involved, yes, but they weren't like, yo, fuck Jewish people. They were just like, stop bombing our shit. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure anyone declared like an enemy of America gets the same kind of treatment. I've yet to, see, like, I've yet to see a movie where I've yet to see a movie where fucking Italians were monsters. Yeah, I know. For some reason, for some reason, um, that's not really explored. In yeah, no, cinema. it is. It is. The German army, the Japanese army, and then this mysterious mist that smelled vaguely of garlic wafting through the battlefield. (laughs) This was vaguely of tomatoes (laughs) and garlic. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think of... But but no, when I say say monsters, I don't mean like describing a person as a monster. I mean like actual monsters. Like there's a shot in here... Yeah, like there's a shot in here where like um I think like one of our main guys is having a dream or whatever. There's a green flare up and he's kind of looking around and the entire battlefield is just darkness. And then the and then he just like he like looks over to one direction, camera pans with him. He looks back, camera pans back, and there's just a Japanese dude just staring at his face and then dives head first out of mouth open. Ugh. That I'm movie was bad. Hacksaw Ridge was bad. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not good, not great. The Oscars are fucking bad. Goddamn Suicide Squad won an Oscar. I know. I know. It won instead of fucking Star Trek in in terms of makeup. Like, really? This. Really? This shit is retarded. The Oscars are terrible. Yeah. We shouldn't. Okay. We should not let. We okay. We need to have like you know routine changes of judges. Actually, look at what people are looking at because didn't like half of the people vote for Suicide Squad because they thought uh, the person who played Harley Quinn to just be hot. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> like fucking the, the 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 Academy. The people who fucking vote for these movies are fucking ninety year old racist goblins. Yeah. Who. Need to die out soon. Oh, okay. The thing is, you hope they die out soon, but the thing is, they have so much money is that they can keep themselves artificially alive until they become. This isn't Team Fortress Two. (laughs) No, I mean they're not. You know, Redmond and Blue Tart aren't going to be there, fucking talking about what movies won the best picture that year. No, 
But I mean, they can they can keep themselves alive longer than everyone else, which is horrendous. So you got to get them young rich people in there to fuck them up. Yeah. It's like it's like, <laughs> hey, hey, teach this old man. Go fuck yourself. Mad Max should have won a bunch of shit. <laughs> God, yeah, Mad Max should have won. Wait, did M- Mad, Mad, Mad Max won all the technicals? Win- yeah, won all the technicals, but nothing, nothing else really, which is a shame. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of a shame, but like still, it th- that movie was so fucking awesome they couldn't not recognize it. Yeah, so they just they just had to recognize it for the technicals instead of which. Hey, fucking technicals are fucking amazing. That movie that yeah, was I mean, great. Yeah, and usually the technicals aren't something that's like appreciated like they do have the awards for them in the oscars but it's like yeah still. but it's just fucking stupid like like i I, yeah. actually, I actually watched a commentary of like one of the oscars and one of the guys commentating said the loudest movie wins the sound awards yeah gen- and then dunkirk won. yeah <laughs> well it was up against fucking See, baby another, driver that's another fucking war movie yeah, and like I'm not that big a fan of Baby Driver. Baby Driver, the sound of that movie was fucking incredible. I didn't that, even watch it either, but I know the sound. That's the yeah, that's the, the entire point design. of that movie, and that that's what works about it. So having it lose to Dunkirk in all of the technical sound categories, <laughs> the fucking and what's even worse, what oh. is even worse is the stars of Baby Driver had to announce that Dunkirk beat them. Oh, that's right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, two of the stars of Baby Driver were up yeah. there for the fucking sound mixing and sound editing or whatever. And it was, and they had to go up there and say, Baby Driver nominated, Dunkirk. And then they had to open the envelope and say, The Oscar goes to Dunkirk. And that lady was oh, so pissed. Yeah, I feel so bad for them. Oh, I also feel bad for fucking. I think Midnight over the La La Land fiasco as well. <laughs> oh, that was a that was a horror show and a half. Because uh, I think the dude, the, the the like the host doing the doing the envelope thing for that one, I think he looked at it and then passed it to the lady. And the lady didn't even read it, and she just said La La Land. Like, <laughs> yeah, because that, that's that. Everyone assumed that would win. It's a movie yeah. about Hollywood where they took away all the black people. Yeah, of course it's going to win in the Oscars. And then not guess what, bitch, gay black man wins it. Suck but my ass. Uh, I feel, but I feel so bad for Midnight because yeah. they didn't get their proper Moonlight. celebrations for winning. Moonlight, that's it. They didn't get their proper celebrations for that, like, you know, for winning that Oscar because everyone was worrying, like, about the La La Land fiasco. Or... Did they feel like super hyped? Because it's like, oh, of course we fucking lost that thing. Oh no, wait, we won. Fuck yeah, fuck you, assholes. I mean, there was definitely just this, there was there's, definitely that, there's a level of indignation that they got from getting fucking yeah having just some dude come out like, yo, Moonlight, you guys won. Fuck, we fucked up. I'm sorry. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, fuck yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely that, satisfa- that satisfaction there, but I just remember all the like the media press afterwards, and it wasn't really talking about Moonlight. It was more talking about um, how the law. You're talking about how they fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And the next and year, those same so two bad. people came back for Best Picture, and they didn't do shit with it. 
Yeah, I mean, no like, joke, no He's reference, no up. nothing. Just Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, fucking hanging around kids because Jimmy Kimmel's fucking the worst. Ugh. Yeah. And then just famous people interacting with fucking poor people. Just like, hey, look, we're hanging out with somebody who isn't a movie star. Look how relatable we are. Oh, wait. Wait, is that the one where fucking they brought in, like, tourists? That was the first uh, one. That was the first one. Then, oh. af- then after that, uh, they had a group of people in a theater watching A Wrinkle in Time. And then it cut to a live feed where all the celebrities are like, hi, normies. Look, we are here acknowledging your existence. Do do you not feel validated? Not even in person, just in a just on a live feed in a theater. God, it okay. This feels like that moment in like a dystopian young adult movie slash book where like we're shown the horrors of reality <laughs> in this setting. <laughs> Yeah, just like just every just every person in the world is just like clinging on for just the briefest second of a live broadcast of somebody they think is famous. Yeah, this is that the brief that brief moment of validation from the, the from the elite. Oh god. <laughs> Why does everything sound like a That's dystopia? a fucking Black Mirror episode waiting to be waiting to happen. Yeah. Hey Black Mirror, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a spec script we think we'll be really into. Yeah. <laughs> um Cole, what were we talking about? Uh fucking movies, I don't know. Watching anything else? Oh yeah. Uh Event Horizon. Um Hmm. I have a list and I cross out all the things I talk about, but I have something very high up that I haven't talked about yet. Um, What's that? I guess we'll 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 make up since Caveman isn't here. Um, Annihilation. Oh, right. I, I've been meaning to watch that. It's, it's good. It, it's a good sci-fi movie. Um, thing is though, from what I understand, it actually went out to cinemas in America. Yeah. We, it had its official release. Like it didn't end up in theaters. It was officially released on Netflix and that was the only place you could see it. That's weird. If you weren't in, I guess, America, Canada, Mexico, that kind of area. Oh wow, yeah. For looks, I don't think it opened internationally. Yeah, it did not. It did not open internationally because I have the distinct memory of talking to my friend and saying, "Hey, you should watch Annihilation on Netflix," and then he said, "Oh, it's not on Netflix here. It's actually in cinemas." And I was like, oh. (laughs) So, yeah, it did not release internationally. Uh, So I watched it when it came out on Netflix, uh, when the hype was still real. But, like, I could still be in my PJs and eat popcorn and watch it. Uh Um, But, yeah, it's a a good sci-fi story. Yeah. For anybody Uh, anybody wondering, uh, it's from Alex Garland, uh, the guy who made Ex Machina. Yes. And he was also the writer for the first 28 Days Later. Oh, wait, uh, really? Was the, he? Yeah, the writer for the movie Sunshine and the writer and, and producer for Dread. Wait, wait, Dread? Yeah, the the uh, Carl Urban Dread movie. He wrote and produced that. 
Wait, the 2012? The Good Dread movie. Not the one with Sylvester Stallone. The one that people know is a good movie. The one that everybody has been clamoring for a sequel for and that nobody will ever give. (laughs) Is that... (laughs) Jesus okay, Christ, dude, see, I have literally I given did... you every single thing saying, yes, that's the movie I'm talking about. <laughs> well, there are these two versions of the movie, I watched neither of them. <laughs> one of them came out, one of them stars Carl Urban, who's only been acting yes. for like fucking, who's only been acting for like a few fucking years. And then there is, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there is the one starring Sylvester that, Stallone, Sylvester which is Stallone. the one I said it was yeah. not. Yes. Okay. Yep. Sorry. My phone was loading. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, did you seriously need a? <laughs> did you seriously need your phone to verify that the one that had fucking the one? Oh my god! Stallone was Stallone is still acting. He's still showing up in movies. That's why I said the one with Stallone is not the one I'm talking about. <laughs> the bad one. Okay, okay. I didn't know about the other one. <laughs> Um, Wait, did you seriously wow, think fucking okay. like 58-year-old fucking Botox Stallone was wearing the dread helmet in 2012? No, I thought you were talking about the 95 movie. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> I know, that's why I was confused. Jesus Christ. Oh. Uh. What's Drew Garland's connection to Annihilation again? Alex Garland. Alex Garland, sorry. He is the writer and director. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, this feels like one of his movies. (sighs) (laughs) Sorry. This dread is going to fucking haunt me, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it will. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. Annihilation Annihilation is a very good movie. (laughs) Just fucking... God damn it. Okay. It's okay. Annihilation is a good sci-fi movie. Um... I thought, though, that it was kind of, um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, uh, I would say it's finished. It's definitely a finished story, um, but it felt like there wasn't, um, that much, uh, heart to it. Like, it, it, it. it felt like there wasn't like there was definitely a lot of effort put into this movie, but I don't know about love or passion. Um because uh you know, everyone does an amazing job in acting and stuff, but a lot of the characters are very flat. They're not particularly um I wouldn't say well-rounded, but they're definitely not, uh, they've got like, you know, they've got characteristics, personality, backstory, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, 
they still feel like um, things that have been written down on a piece of paper and not a character slash person. Uh-huh. Uh, which is my kind of main gripe with the movie is that it feels like we're kind of pulling pieces of paper through an interesting setting and an interesting plot. Uh, but then that interesting setting and the interesting plot kind of makes up for these pieces of paper walking around in people's shoes. Okay. Also, I thought it was very... Okay, for me, because I didn't have that context that it was in a cinema and it was in an actual movie, I thought it was really cool that they managed to get Natalie Portman and... (laughs) Wait, no, is that right? Yeah, Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaacs. Yeah, and also Isaac. Um, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, they they managed to get that in a... In a, in a Netflix straight to Netflix movie. movie. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was like, wait a minute. How the hell did you get that to a Netflix movie? It was, who did you pay Netflix? And then you um, realize, oh, wait, it's actually a. It's, a, it's an actual, actual movie. It just wasn't released anywhere but like America. No. Okay. So, for, okay, so from looking it up, uh, it was released in Canada, the United States and China. Yeah. But it was. So it's really weird. So. It is really weird. So the movie came out in North America on in February, was released to a bunch of other countries on Netflix in March, then came out in China yes. in cinemas in April. Oh, okay. I mean, that's not too far of a gap, though. Yeah, that's not too far of a gap. Like, I sometimes I have it's, to wait. It's a still whole fucking year. weird. It's, no, it's just weird it to be like, like, like releasing it in North America, North America only in February, then releasing it to a bunch of other countries. On on demand, basically, on digital services and streaming services in March, and then going back to and then going back to fucking cinemas again for China. I think it's an interesting business plan, though. Like, okay, think of it like this: you your studio, you have a movie, um, but because of scheduling times, you can only like release it in America. Like, you can release it in America at this point in time, but you have to wait like five months before it's released in like for say Australia. Why so though? If, uh, uh usually scheduling issues like okay um it's widely accepted that February is a dead zone uh for most movies but uh for example January is actually a hot spot for Australian movies, and so is September um, to be released because uh, they coincide with uh, big uh, Australian holiday times and also uh, good consumerism kind of uh, sections. And also December, but December is also kind of universal because that's Christmas, so everyone leaves early to go see a Christmas movie. Or, um, but I know. In a- I could just release the movie everywhere at once. Oh, well, no, you could, but that's not how the market's actually done now. Like, some countries don't see it for months or even, like, a year until it's actually been released in America. So if you're dealt with that kind of... Because you also have to deal with, like... Um, you have to deal with the government's censorship and you have to deal with the government's classification as well. So you have to deal with bureaucracy and also scheduling times for peak use of um you know money peak consumerism from a country's 
you know, population. I fucking hate business. So you either do that. I, yeah, business sucks. So wait, so, but okay, but this movie is kind of like a trial because instead of doing that, you release it in America and then you release it on a, a web service. So then the whole world can potentially see the movie the same time America is. Like, maybe Annihilation was just a trial to see if that form of getting a movie out into the world works. Yeah, I don't know. Is it, I mean, yeah. I mean, like you said, would you rather wait for months and have a staggered release across the world or release your movie at once everywhere? That. Yeah, so why not release it in it. America and then put it on the on put it online essentially so everyone else can watch it at the same time well if we do that then we won't get the fucking won't get to rip people off well yeah i mean cinemas don't get the money but you as a production studio might that's that's what i'm saying rip people off just fucking put them into the fucking put yeah, them in theaters and just go all right guys you buy this thing this this industry is still fucking alive and rich and you will you will fucking like it and you will suck our dicks and you will Come back here every goddamn week, you fucking sheep. And if you don't, then we're going to cut your dicks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. But I don't know. I think I, 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 see, I see it quite... It, it feels like a trial to see if you could make a, a big-budget movie and then release it and not actually put it in cinemas. And I think that's really cool. Um... But I mean, it's still a good movie, even if even if the even if the release is weird by like standards of releasing movies, it's a it's still an it's still an all right film. Like I think that's if it's you're going to release anything, at least release Annihilation with this new technique. Um, it's very visually stunning. Uh, like the CGI is top notch, and. Um, there's probably quite a few actual practical effects in the movie that you just don't notice because it blends pretty seamlessly with the rest of the CGI. Um, also, this Annihilation doesn't really have... It's not very concrete with its plot, i say, or at least the explanations of it, which I think is meant to be the point of it. You know how things are, like, sometimes, like, you know, they're... Um, they're purposely vague. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like, you know, to give you a sense of mystery or whatever, sometimes it's like, just accept it. Um, I think I think it's just like that. It's purposely fa uh, vague in a lot of... Uh, in a lot of situations and a lot of scenes. So you can go, ooh, what's the mystery? But then it's never really addressed. Yeah. There's one major plot that they do address, they do it very well, uh, that deals with Oscar Isaac's character. Um, which I think is probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, Oscar Isaac... Okay, Oscar Isaac's character, she, his acting's very good. Everyone's acting's very good because these are all big names. But, um... His uh his character I think has the best arc and is I think his character is also the most fleshed out, which is poor for the movie because he's only in so much of it. He's there at the beginning, he's there at the end, and that's about it. Yeah. 
And I think Natalie Portman is doing great with what she's been given as a character, but her character doesn't have a lot of substance to it, as well as um, the uh, the main psychiatrist doctor, I think Dr. May- okay, played by Jennifer Jason <laughs> Lee. Dr. Ventress, yes. I don't. It's just so bad that some of these characters aren't really characters. They're just. They're just characters on paper. Yeah, they're just there. They're just characters on paper, but not in real life. When you've given them a face and like a uh, like a actor to act them, which uh, kind of ruins the spectacle of the rest of the movie because it's like a feast for your eyes, really. Uh, But there's not a lot of. There's not much of a backbone to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I mean that's about it. <laughs> Visually stunning, but not much of a backbone. <laughs> All right then. Anything else you have to talk about? Nope, your turn. All right then. So I got six things: three movies, three shows. Nice. So movies first. Sweet. Um, I watched Ant Man and Wasp. Newest Marvel? Yes. Yes. Is Does it fuck up the Infinity War timeline? Nope. Okay. Is it before or after Infinity War timeline-wise? Before. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, it's all before that, and uh, post-credit scene is during. Oh, okay. And that's all I'll say about the post-credit scene. <laughs> Oh, wait, is it... Oh, no, is it someone turning to dust? You'll find out when you see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, this is some months uh, before Infinity War, or yeah, some amount of time before Infinity War, um, where Scott Lang is under house arrest. Because he fucking, you know, went to Germany and did the thing at the airport. Uh, he signed a deal. He signed. He signed a thing, basically giving him, um, giving him just house arrest instead of being stuck in the weird like super gulag. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, was the airport thing? Is that from Infinity War? Civil no, sorry, War? In Civil War. S- Civil War. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, him going to Germany to help help Cap fucking get out doing whatever. Yeah, because he did that, he was thrown into the super gulag that Iron Man built, and then he signed a deal that then got him back home. And in that time, he's gone a bit stir crazy. Uh, to the point that where makes he sense. to the point where he has built a an entire cardboard maze amusement park kind of ride for his daughter. Oh, that's good. That's really sweet. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Paul Rudd and his Paul Rudd and the girl playing his daughter are they're adorable together. And I really hope that. Um, Okay, I guess, I guess not hope. I, I don't know. I'm conflicted about it because a I because a I want to see that kid play stature because Scott Lang's daughter in the comics becomes a superhero. Yeah, she gets growth powers. Oh, <laughs> nice! And becomes and becomes a I guess the de facto leader of the Young Avengers. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, she goes by stature. Um, stature. Yeah, so I'd like to see that happen, especially with this actress, because I think she she's a lot of fun. 
But that will require this film franchise to go on for another 10 to 15 years. Oh, yeah, because you have to grow up. Because she's a child. Yeah. Damn. So... (laughs) See, I want this to end eventually. Yeah. And I feel like another 10... I feel like another decade and a half of movies in order to get the one thing I kind of want is a bit much. Well, no, actually... Don't sell yourself short because how long have has Marvel been going now? A decade. Like, yeah, over a decade. No, it, well, Wait, ten years. They, this this year is their tenth ten year. Ten years. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Like, so like with like, like with, with I mean with both uh with both Infinity War and with Ant Man and the Wasp when the Marvel Studio logo comes up the I O in Studio forms a ten. Nice. <laughs> okay. So I mean they've already lasted ten years and I mean surely. We will get exhausted from them. I'm already exhausted. Is yeah. I'm like yeah, I'll go see them because they're the only movies allowed to be good anymore. We'll finally get that movie. Yeah. But I don't want another decade of fucking Marvel. No. Honestly, I kind of want Infinity War to end it. Just like this big fucking thing, like this big fucking event happens and then somebody else gets the gauntlet, snaps their fingers, and then either it ends or things change drastically. Yeah, and then that's start of Marvel phase. Phase eight, phase eight billion. Phase eight, yeah. like The Disney World domination plan phase 27. Yeah. God, Disney is terrifying. Disney is is terrifying and we can only watch this eldritch corporation as it slowly devours the world around us. Like I like you know I don't know if you know this but there's this like there's this trend going around online of people doing like the disappearing behind a blanket trick for their dog. Oh yeah and I saw one with a bird and that was terrifying. <laughs> Poor bird. Yes, yeah, so, but I know it. Yes, yeah, so just for anybody who doesn't know um just a person they have a dog, they hold a blanket up in front of them and they're like and they just like pull it up over their heads, bring it back down. Hi, dog. And they just do that a couple times so the dog recognizes, hey, you're behind the blanket. Then they throw the blanket up and then run out of sight. So when the blanket falls, you're gone. And the dog's like, what the fuck? And then you see the, and then the reaction is just adorable. Yeah, the, yeah, the, reac- yeah, the reaction is adorable because like the pets freak out. Yeah, and they, yeah. The guy in the Mickey Mouse suit and the guy in the, and the, guy in the Pluto suit at Disneyland, they did that. Oh. <laughs> they did their own version of that. And so I had that interaction too. I was just like, oh, and then, and then for like a split second, I saw the fucking tendrils coming from the fucking Shoggoth that is Disney. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like a fucking, it was like an anglerfish. <laughs> just they dangled, they, they dangled this like you cute little it. thing of like, oh, hey, yeah, it's just an adorable little thing. They, yeah. Like Disney hires the best fucking people ever to play their characters at their fucking theme parks. But then you realize, oh, wait, that's the face. Yeah. That's yeah, the fuck. That's the it. fucking that's... department of that's the fucking mouth department or whatever that is there to go. Hey, all is fine. Look at these look at these friendly faces as this fucking horrendous fascist regime is slowly taking over the country. Just yeah. marching under the banner of the mouse. 
So it's like, terrifying. It's that scene we were. It's that scene we were talking about from a few from a few sessions ago. It's like you know, if you don't keep up with your subscription to the mouse streaming service, they come and shoot you up back. <laughs> no, actually, going back to the before I wake thing, it's is that fucking thing. You're like, oh, there's this cute little dream thing. Oh wait, there's something horribly wrong with this. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Just just fucking. It's like, that thing is like, oh, it's adorable. Like a mouse doing that to a dog. And the dog just starts like going like, and it's like trying to dig through the ground before it starts smashing its head into the cement over and over again. His blood begins to pour out and just split the head open and a mouse climbs out from from inside screaming. (laughs) God, that's a horrifying image. I shouldn't make children's movies. (laughs) Yeah, no, we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, children should not be consuming this piece of media. But no, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, yeah, so Paul Rudd, he's going fucking crazy or whatever. Like, oh, God, fuck, I'm trying to this house. But he only has a couple more days until he gets let out and he's able to go do whatever. Uh, He is on a, he's on incredibly good terms with his ex-wife and her cop boyfriend. That's good. Like, suspiciously good terms. Like, they fuck each other. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Wait, wait, all three of them? Or, like, yeah. you know, just... Yeah, all three of them. Okay. It feels that way to me anyway. Yeah, okay, yep. And anytime Scott, like, breaks perimeter in the house or whatever, then the FBI comes in. The FBI led by Randall Park as a very bumbling, not funny at all agent. Oh. Like, it feels like he is playing the boyfriend part from the first movie. Like, the first movie had, uh, before they got on good terms, it was fucking Judy Greer's cop boyfriend going like, hey, fucker, it's only a matter of time before you fuck this up again. And when you do, I'm gonna be there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's what he's going for with this. But he's not funny. At least I don't think, no. I, don't think he, I don't think the writing for this character is very funny. I don't think his delivery is all that great. None of the jokes he has ever really land and I don't find his story arc well his I don't find his I don't find his plot line that engaging at all. Mm. Like that's my biggest problem with this movie is that none of the antagonistic forces outside of just the universe are that interesting to me. Cuz we got Randall Park and the well, cops who yeah. are just fucking nothing. We have Walton yeah. Goggins as a black market tech dealer who is doing everything he can to steal the who, who's doing everything he can to steal um Hank Pym's uh lab you know the lab that he wheels around in a briefcase or wheels around like a, you know a wheelie suitcase yeah trying to steal that lab and then sell the tech inside of it and he is a non-threat like he gets taken out by Michael Peña's sidekicks That's how that's how that's how fucking not a threat he is. Yeah. And then there is Ghost, yeah. who is the most interesting out of all of them. Yeah. But I didn't really click with her or have anything really like to latch on to with her. She just kind of felt like just kind of felt like villain like vil, like villain group, like you know, villain type AX three dash J sub Subsection tragic yeah. backstory fifty two dash F. Yeah. Dot exe. Yeah, yeah, I definitely 
Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because like with her power set, they actually do they 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 still manage to do some like really creative fight scene stuff in this. Like with her thing being able to phase. So it's a person who could shrink versus somebody who can phase through walls and stuff. I guess that's an interesting kind of fight dynamic. Yeah. Another, another joke that doesn't work so well uh, is the fact that Ant-Man has a new suit that keeps malfunctioning. Oh, is it like that dumb shit where he, like, he gets big or smaller in like the most worst timing yes kind of jokes yeah okay yeah like there's one where he where they uh where it's like all right i gotta go get my old right so we need we need a piece from the old suit like the like uh he they specifically say like hey we need a regulator that has a certain kind of thing on it that was in the old ant-man suit but oh that's been destroyed we can't we can't get it it's like oh no i actually kept it so they have to go break into they have to break into his daughter's school in order to pull the suit out from a trophy that the daughter has uh, that that she got for her dad. Oh. That says "World's Greatest Grandma." Oh, <laughs> like I said, she like I said, they're fucking adorable. Yeah. This, okay. Yeah. This duo of dad and daughter is really cute. <laughs> yeah, and so they head into the school. As they get in there, he grows to giant sized, and is now stuck and is stuck in a supply closet. Of course. Yep. Uh, they. Uh, Wasp then jumps up and tries to fucking fix the like fuck around with the regulator and stuff. He then tries to shrink and gets stuck at like three feet tall. So they go to Lost and Found and yeah. put a hoodie on him and it's like, oh, he looks nothing like a child. <laughs> but wait, it's enough to it fool like, the um, one teacher who doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, no, wait, no. Is it like Uncanny Valley though with um Deadpool's like tiny baby legs? Uh no, because it's Aww. it's a full it's a full grown person, just smaller. Yeah, which okay. is not which is not a person with baby legs. Like babies okay. don't have the same proportions as a person. Yeah, but I know. But like the, I think the image of Deadpool with baby legs really freaks me out. And yeah, it's now it's, I must it's not that everything. It's not that. Okay. It's just imagine an adult man. Yeah, but just smaller. Just smaller. Okay. That's the proportion. <laughs> and yeah, like he, they don't. They don't get pants for him. They don't get shoes for him. They don't get anything. It's just it's just in the Ant-Man suit with a hoodie on, and that's enough to fool anybody. I mean, the suit has Also, it's you know not how like he's just nuts. Yeah, also, you know how he out, like you know? you know how like whenever he shrinks or grows he has to wear the helmet cuz you know when he breathes things get weird when you change size? Mm. That's not a thing anymore. He he there are multiple times where he shrinks and grows and then takes the helmet off. Oh, okay. Which is just I weird guess, to me. Yeah, I guess I, I mean, the dealing with the fact that this is post Infinity War, but also pre Infinity War. So I guess they just you just do whatever. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so villain villain subplots don't work out that great for me. Um. A lot of the jokes don't land as hard as don't jokes don't land as frequently as they do in the from the, as they did in the first movie. Um, Michael Pena, uh, he's beginning to wear thin. Like his whole character bit, he's still he's still funny in this. Um, and they don't overdo too many of his jokes. Like he does have one of those. Like he does have one of the um, 
There is a scene where he has one of his own, like, uh, little, like, the, the narrated montage thing from the first movie. If you know what I, you remember the scene I'm talking about? No, I did not watch the first movie. Okay, so in the first movie, uh, there, there, there are a couple of bits where Michael Pena just starts, like, talking very fast, uh, describing describing a series of events that led, to, that led to a certain thing happening. And what it would do is it would actually have these scenes, and it would have people, but they, it would be people dubbed by Michael Pena. Oh, okay. That's funny. Yeah. I yeah love so, it so it's Michael Pena doing his whole, do like, fast-talking thing and talking to these people, and it's these people matching their performance to his delivery. <laughs> and it, it, it works. Song. It works It works really well. Yeah. And going into the second movie, I was worried that they were going to run that joke into the ground. They only do it once, and it makes sense in the moment. Okay. So the, so the joke doesn't really – it doesn't – overdo its stay, but they still have it. Yeah, and they do change it up enough. That's good. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff with Paul Rudd and the daughter, like I said, works. Um, Michael Douglas is still great. Uh, Evangeline Lilly is great. Um, getting, getting her in the fucking suit is cool. <laughs> and just seeing how much more competent this shit she is than fucking Scott. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, despite being like very prominently billed and being on the poster and stuff, is in ten minutes of the movie. Oh wait, really? Yeah. What? Okay, well she's like on every poster. Yeah, maybe though, maybe, like, maybe every not ten minutes, five minutes. Called, and the movie is called Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, Evangeline Lilly's the Wasp. Yeah, so wait, so she's only in five minutes. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. And actually, her character is in a little bit more, but but one scene where that character appears is actually played by Paul Rudd. Because, uh, so, so, since things happen, since that, since the last movie happened and everything else happened in the Marvel Universe, um, Hank Pym and his daughter have been on the run and have been trying to open a portal into, like, essentially, like, drill a tunnel into the quantum realm to try to get, try to get, uh, the, try to get Michelle Pfeiffer back. Okay. When they do that, Scott has a dream where he is Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. Yep. 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 And then later on, when they try to activate the portal again, Paul Rudd gets taken over by Michelle Pfeiffer. So there's this oh, big, so there's, okay. this, there's this big emotional scene where like, we're like, you know, where, like you know, Evangeline Lily's about to fucking break down crying because like, oh mom, you're fucking alive, and then hus- and then Michael Douglas is like, holy shit, my wife is alive, but it's Paul Rudd. So it's Paul Rudd acting out these scenes, doing the science shit, and then, <laughs> and then and then like in the last and then like at the end of the climax, Michelle Pfeiffer shows up again. With and that's it. With that's, yeah, that's with whole... unexplained quantum powers. Okay. Like she can just <laughs> she she just has fucking like glowing ET fingers that can just do shit with them. I guess that's something we're gonna learn in the next Ant Man movie. Maybe who knows? All I know is this was not as good as the first one. Mm. It has its moments. It has its moments of like really good. 
Like really interestingly done um, fight choreography, solid jokes, decent chemistry between all the ca- all the cast and stuff, but it doesn't land as much as the first movie does, and there's just too much too much else kind of wrong with it. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I had high hopes for this. Yeah, it's that kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a Marvel movie, and they're going through a rough time, I guess. Because <laughs> everyone's kind of exhausted. Everyone's kind of exhausted of them, and they. But no, no, it's like, not even. Know, it's not even like if if this was. If this was like, if if somehow like fucking superhero movies got their second win, and this was like, hey, superhero movies are fucking great again. We're gonna go see a new Marvel movie. It's gonna be awesome. Even if it, even if it was that, this movie still would not be that great. Okay. Yeah, I see you. Like this is a real middle of the road movie. Okay. But like, okay, so it has ups, has its downs, but it's still an all right. Yeah, like like the, like the first Ant Man movie, I say is genuinely good. Like it's. Mm. It might be in like my top ten Marvel movies. Okay. This one is not. Not even close. Yeah. It's like down there with like the first Thor. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That, that gives me better context. <laughs> yeah, like just above the second Thor and way above Iron Man three. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now I see what. The, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so moving on from that, um, yeah. keeping on the horrendous Disney conglomerate train, I watched. I rewatched Wally. <gasps> I love that movie. I that love movie that is fantastic. Kid. Yeah. I cried during that movie way more than I thought I would. Yeah, it's a sad movie. <laughs> no, no, like even during the happy shit, I was crying. Yeah. Oh I, yeah, that movie. It, that movie is a tearjerker, but it's yeah. it's a good movie. It's it's a fucking great movie. One thing that's kind of weird to me. That I just that I just realized watching it. All these robots are sentient. Yes. Like even the ones that are still working, and are still yeah. like stuck in the past, yes. they're all sentient. Yes. Which makes the ending weird. So Did they go back. No, no. To... Like, so, so for those who haven't seen the movie, um, spoilers going forward. But yeah, it's about Wally, a robot that fucking crushes up garbage into cubes. Uh, he has been essentially building garbage cities on Earth for seven hundred years because Earth got so fucked uh, that everybody just got everybody's gone spaceships and fucked off into space. Yeah, essentially, we fucked over Earth so so bad with like commute. Like you know, with like products no, specifically, and stuff. by and large, fucked over Earth so bad. Yeah, which is, I guess, a stand-in for any large company now. But yeah, we're essentially companies and buying shit kind of ruined the Earth. We fucked off, and we left robots to clean up after us. Yeah, after seven hundred years, there is only like in, in the in this in this large metropolitan area, there is one Wally left. Yeah, and he just kind of hangs out. He likes musicals. He has a pet roach. Do wait, wait, okay. I have to bring this up. Yeah. We call Wally a he, but in the movie, do we, like, Wally is a robot. He doesn't have a gender. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
but he was voiced by a guy. Okay, all right. I and see every, and everybody else is like, fuck, and, every, and everything is like, and also Wally is a traditionally yeah, masculine well, name. Wally is a traditionally masculine Yeah, okay, all right. And Eve, of course. Traditionally feminine. Like, you know, yeah, Adam and Eve, yeah. Yeah. Nah, but it's Wally and Eve. <laughs> it's Adam's it's Adam's shitbag God. brother coming in and snatching his girl. God, that's fuck I forgot this movie has such a great romance with between Oh yeah, Wally like that That shit is fucking great. I goddamn love that. Yeah, that's so oh But no, but no. So this, this yeah, yeah, it's going through all this. Um Eve comes down to Earth. Uh she's a probe. And she is scanning yeah. for any sign of organic life growing in the soil again, thus meaning that people from people out in space can come back to Earth and make it habitable again. Yeah. She's kind of like the, uh, you know how, like, you test the soil, see if, like, if you need to, if you can plant things in it? She's kind of like that. Yeah, she's doing, like, pH tests and shit, um, just checking soil levels and nutrients and shit. And yeah. then Wally's like, hey, I found and this plant in a boot in a fridge. Yeah, like, Wally's like, oh, you like plant stuff? Here is plant. And Eve is like, oh, shit, that's a plant. Um, and then she has to go home. Yeah, shuts. Yeah, she shuts down. Goes into standby mode as the probe, as the, like the fucking spaceship, comes back together. While he flies off into space, and is now his whole thing is just trying to get Eva to hold his hand, make out with him, suck his dick. No, don't. No, this is wholesome. Yeah, I know it's wholesome, <laughs> but the subtext is there. The subtext. It's the same subtext that is in every romance musical. They talk about fucking. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so essentially, yeah, so once you get off Earth, the rest of the movie is Wally discovering humanity again in, like, yeah, Wally- actually physically people and also trying to rescue his girlfriend. Yeah. Meanwhile, humanity, which has turned into large, fat toddler people. Are- yeah, okay. Humanity is kind of like experiencing space. It's the effects of low gravity. How they're- yeah, the effects of low gravity and the fact that, like, a co- company pretty much owns them. Yeah, like, every human, every person on this ship uh, goes around in a flying lazy boy that has a that has a big fucking screen in front of them. One of them that just has all the information on them. It's, they just, everything they eat is, by and large, like, everything they everything they eat is just food in a cup. Um, yeah, every, everything th- there's, is, there's like, one There's like, one bit where it's, like, where like a new ad comes up, one of the ad, one of the things is like, try blue. It's the new red. And everyone's like, oh yeah, okay. And then you just see the swath of everybody's red jumpsuits turning blue. Yeah. Because yeah. like individuality it's not and yeah, like individuality and thought and stuff is very much removed. Again, it's like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not subtle with the text here. It's like it's very much like, oh yeah, this is people being brainwashed by communi- um consumerism. But yeah. it's like it's a funny kids movie. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, of course, this while he gets severely injured, some fucking chip gets a chip gets fried and he gets half crushed. Yeah, bring him back down to earth, where Eve then fucking flies over to his fucking thing or whatever, uses his spare parts that he that he cannibalized from all the other dead Wallies to fix him up and put it back together, and then at that point he doesn't have a personality anymore. Which is weird because every robot that we've seen has a personality pre-baked into them. Yes. It seems like it's part of their base coding. Yeah. There's like there's the the cleaning robot who's a piece of shit and Yeah, like like he is like he's very much like, hey, I clean. 
and then and then like I follow this track, but oh, there's dirt off the track, and so we actually so we see him like contemplate it, get scared, but realizes his job, jump off, and then like huddle up, waiting for the horrible thing to happen to him. Like he it isn't it wasn't like he was programmed to never leave the rail. It's it was like he was told not to leave the rail or something yeah. terrible would happen to him. It's like it's like a you've been taught don't go off the track and then he was like oh shit but I'm gonna go off the track yeah yeah, yeah. it looks like a conflict of what he's been told to do but yeah then he's like a piece of shit for the rest of the movie yeah and then you got and then he got like auto the clean. and then you got auto the autopilot who doesn't have some fucking hidden director or whatever he just has a literal video of a person telling him yeah. don't let them come back yeah auto the autopilot is Kind of like he's a reference to Hal from. Yeah, he is he is a ship wheel with a Hal nine thousand eye. Yeah, essentially. And um, something I didn't notice, like when I first saw, it, because when I first saw this movie, I think I was like ten. Yeah, but no. but, but, I don't but think like you were I, that young. Okay, yeah, it was, was the movie two thousand eight. Yeah, so I was sixteen. Let me have a look. Yeah, I would have been more that age with a. Uh, being eight at the time. <laughs> okay, so I was 16 when the movie came out, and I saw it. I didn't, I, I wasn't really in, like, a film film criticism mode yet. Or, like, film analysis mm. mode. So I didn't notice it when I first saw it, but I kind of just love, just as, the as like, the, there's this wall of captains, where just, where just we see, like, a photo of the captain, and, and Otto's in the background, just every photo, as the people get more and more fat and plump and fucking just like livestockish, this auto gets closer and closer and closer to the camera. Yeah, I know. It's You're like in the background, very good. like in the, in the first photo, it is, it is like stern captain, man. Like he's got like a salt and pepper beard and it's just like, yes, I'm there. And auto is just in the background, just way in the background. It just gets closer and closer and closer to get to the most, auto most recent captain where auto is as big as the captain. <laughs> Essentially overtaking him. And it was great. It's good design. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's kind of the weird thing I realized. Just like, oh wait, all these robots are just sentient. They have conscious thought and emotion and shit. They're, yeah, they're pe- people. Yes, but then if they are people, why did Wally go back to just I am I am emotionless robot, let me crush all this shit and go away? Like it wasn't even like a he didn't have memories thing. If it was just like a it was like, he wakes up, I was like, oh, what's this? Hey, who are you guys? Um, Okay, oh, this is all this weird shit. I might as well just crush this. No, it is, I have no emotions. <laughs> crush, move on. When was this point in the film? Was this before? That's the end. That's the end end? Yeah, the, the, so no, so the end end is Eva fucking static shock kisses him and then he does the eye thing to real to like say hey i have a personality again now with all my memories are back and oh, now yeah, yeah, yo okay. let's fuck while our friends watch yeah 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 okay i don't know maybe trauma <laughs> when when a person goes know. through trauma do they then become an emotionless robot yeah that's one of the main experience yeah that's one of the main responses to trauma not robotic like this. Like, like yeah, they'll shut down, but it won't be like a I I revert I revert back to factory settings. I don't know. I think maybe it was just a scene for them so they could have the kiss scene between him and Eve. Yeah, they, but they could have had a kiss scene either way because they were gonna kiss. I know, but like, 
you know, you have that extra spark. <laughs> I don't know. It it just weirds me out that there's this is this is a fucking society where robots aren't work aren't just fucking robots. They're slaves. They are they are they are a fucking in they are a class of people in lifelong indentured servitude. Like born and raised as a slave race. Because it's not like fucking yeah. it's not like some fucking Westworld shit or anything else where where they start out as just, hey, we are working off pre written responses and doing this, this, and that, and then they begin to form sentience. It's they are made with sentience with and then sentience. conditioned to not do anything outside of what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, that is a bit wrong, isn't it? It's weird as hell. But I mean, I don't think... Oh, and it's kind of a little wrong, but it's also... It can't rest the movie. It's not something that, it's not something that I like, we have as a like point of contention. It's like, oh, this happened, so this movie is bad. No, it's not that. It's just, no, I can't not no. see it now. Yeah, yeah, I, I see you, yeah. Because now, whenever you're gonna rewatch it, you're just gonna think about it. You're just gonna think about that. Yeah, just like the fucking wall A units, the big ass wall units in the fucking like ship in the ship garbage thing. Like they're they're down there doing their job. They see Wally and are like, "Oh fuck, we should not destroy him." And then as they're leaving, they both wave to him goodbye. Oh, that's see, that's just sweet. <laughs> yes, but then you remember that for the rest of the movie. Those giant crash compacting robots are down there in the literal shithole of the ship forever until they are turned off and destroyed because they're no longer needed because the ships are now docked on Earth. That's the thing, like Wally and fucking Eve or whatever, and all his fucking compadre of weird assholes, they'll be fucking fine because those are the disciples of Jesus. Every other robot on that ship, they're gonna die. No, okay, wait, okay. I like to live in the wholesome and cute timeline where they don't, and they just they come out of the ship and they have a good time, and that's it. Oh, the naivete of youth. <laughs> I remember when I was your age, fucking what, seven years ago? I guess you're like what, eighteen? Yeah, I'm 18. Okay, eight years ago then. Yeah. Because I am 26. Baby. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, eight years ago, I was an idiot too. No! I took things at face value. <laughs> I took things at face value. I was wholesome. And then I fucking clicked on the wrong link. And now I'm a horrible monster. <laughs> See, I've clicked on several bad links and I'm still fine and I want to believe in the good of people. Trust me, son. And if when you click not, on the wrong link, and if you'll not, know. No, I've I've clicked on the wrong links. Trust me. It's like the Joker. Um, All it takes is one bad click to end up like me. I'm pretty sure it takes several bad clicks. But, um... Believe in the good art. No. <laughs> mm. Moving right along. 
Watch another movie, kind of similar to Wally. Uh, the Purge election year. Oh, that's not as cute and wholesome as Wally. Nope. There's a there's a scene in this fucking movie where a teenage girl with like really out there tits comes by to kill an old man because he because he wouldn't let her shoplift a candy bar. She then gets run wait, over wait. by a paramedic. Wait, 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 out there tits. Yeah, she's wearing like a bustier. What? Uh, it's it's like a it's a corset with like very much just exposing the breasts. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I believe it's called a bustier. Yeah, she, yeah. So it's it's a fucking high school student wearing one of those. Just out, just out there, fucking flopping a boot. <laughs> Sorry, can you say that? Flopping a boot? Yes. Sometimes for comedic effect, I will say a boot instead of a bout. <laughs> That's so cute. That's hilarious. A boot. But yeah, so yeah, so it's this girl along with like seven along with like seven of her friends, all of who all of whom roll up in fucking Nissan Camrys covered in Christmas lights. Wait, what's the premise of election year? Is that So, for those who don't know, Election Year is the third film in the Purge series. Yeah. The idea behind the Purge series is that one is that in in this America, uh, there was a political party, a group of people called the New Founding Fathers of America, who instituted this idea that the way to solve the problems of America was to have just one night a year where all crime is legal. So you're able to go out there, vent all your frustration in just one horrendous act of horrible violence and murder. And then for the rest of the year, you'll be fine. You, like people will commit less crimes. Everything will be fucking hunky dory. Okay. The first so movie, yeah. the, the first movie was a waste of this premise because it was just a home invasion movie. Mm, the yeah. second movie, it, it didn't, it didn't explore the purge by any agree. Yeah. It was just, it was just, Hey, we're at home, and then some b- people came to kill us. This is bad. But yeah, then then you go then you go into uh, the Purge two, uh, which is called something else. I do not believe it's just called the Purge two. No, I don't think it is either. Wait. Well, let me just double check. Uh, the Purge Anarchy. Yeah, Purge Anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, that introduce that introduces uh, Frank Grillo as Leo Barnes. And gets way more into what the purge actually is, which is an excuse for the new founding fathers of America to eliminate the homeless people and other minority groups so that so the, because they believe that that is the way to make this country better. Mm, that does sound like what founding fathers would say. Yeah. And then you get into the purge election year, which is Frank Grillo has been hired. Leo Barnes has been hired as the, as the head of security for a senator. Uh, the senator is played by Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh, she wants to become president. Yeah, she wants to become president and abolish okay. the purge. <gasps> nice. Okay. Yeah, she so is election you. Yeah, she is running against um, a she's running against a new founding father's surrogate, essentially a priest, who was like the oh, purge is fucking okay. dope. It is great. All the shit's happening. And then God loves it. <laughs> yeah, and then she is like, "Yo, homeless and poor people." Fucking, let's stop this shit. Yeah. 
And then the movie is, um, I, I only made it about halfway through before I had other stuff to do, but I got, I, I know a bit about it. And yeah, the, the basic idea of it is just, is just, it is another one of the, it's another one of the things like Purge Anarchy where it is Frank Grillo out in the street trying to keep people alive while the purge happens around them. Yeah. So wait, but does it, does it like delve into the setting a little more because that he's essentially protecting a senator who may or may not become president? Um, a little bit. Um, so one of the things that kind of introduces with this movie is that while the purge happens, anybody who is of a certain level in the government is immune from the purge. What does so, that, so, so, does so, that mean? So basically, like, so if you kill somebody on purge night, nothing bad will happen to you. No. Because it's not legal. However, if you kill a person high enough up in the government, like a senator, congressman, whatever, you kill that person, that's still illegal. Oh, oh damn. That goes away my old plans. And then... But but, that, but then for this purge for election year, they specifically remove that exemption because the new founding fathers want to kill oh, Elizabeth they... Mitchell. Yeah. Okay. All right. I see the plot here. Yeah. So so the, so their whole plot so their whole plan is all right. So on purge night, we remove this exemption, then we send our fucking hit squad in to go kill the senator, and make it look like just a regular purge thing. Thus, she's dead, out of the way, we continue on, unabated. Yes. Which fucking, I, I, the Purge has been getting better. Kind of from movie to movie, they've been getting, like, increasingly better. Because they have been realizing that, like, with the first movie, <coughs> the main complaint was, like, hey, we need to see more of this world. We need to see more of what the Purge is. We need to see more of all of this. Then they listened, yeah, and made the purge anarchy, which is a really, was, which is just a really solid fucking action horror movie. Mm. The purge election year, I do not think it is as good as the purge anarchy, but it does a it does a it does it does does a really good job continuing the world building because one of the new Would things you he, say. Would you say that election year feels more like a sequel than it does a third movie in a franchise? Uh, ye- mm-hmm. Cause like, okay. Kind of yes, kind of no. That, yeah. Cause because you could take it that maybe anarchy could be more of a first movie and that the first purge is really more just like a, a tester. So, so here, so here's the weird thing. Purge. So, so election year is just straight up a sequel to anarchy, but yeah. with the stakes being what they are, it can't be a second movie. Okay. All right. So it's kind of like a mix of a sequel and a, a third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so one of the things they actually introduce in as a concept in this movie is murder tourists. Oh, from like other countries? Yeah, specifically Russia and South Africa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like like one one of the first like big purge things that we see happen um in this is um as 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 a uh, as Frank Grillo and the Elizabeth Mitchell are trying to get away from fucking whatever, uh they're being hunted down by a drone. 
<laughs> so they shoot it out of the sky, and it's like, all right, yeah, so we should be good. Keep moving on. And they get accosted by a bunch of fucking people who pretend to be dead. All dressed up like fucked up Uncle Sam and a fucked up punk rock Statue of Liberty. Of course, yeah. And then you hear the voices like, we have come to America to, to, to indulge in your parents' night. It'll be great. We will unleash the beast on you assholes. <laughs> okay, yeah. And one of the early one of the early things is um, just a bunch of people, just a bunch of people like with very thick South African accents, which I don't think I have one yet. I haven't no. developed I haven't developed a good comedy South African accent. Apparently, South African sounds an awful lot like Australian. Like apparently, yeah. it's like hello, we I are, know, we are South African. Yeah, it's it's Af- Afrikaners is a language that I don't have enough experience with to actually be able to properly make fun of, like I do with other accents. No. Yeah. And we probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, we should not. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Oh god. I'll I'll take some classes. I'll watch I'll watch District Down a couple more times. Then I'll come back here with a fucking I'll come back here with a fucking sick Vicus impression and blow you all ass blow you assholes out. Yep, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a simple idea. Just, it's a really fucking simple thing, but it works. I like that. I like this whole idea of just like building on this world. Another thing that another thing that they do build in the world, they have they have purge centric EMTs. There are just there are just some like emergency workers who like it's like all emergency services are suspended in the purge. So there so there are no EMTs. There are no hospitals. Like if you call nine one one, you get just fucking nothing. Yeah. But so in this movie, one of our characters is an EMT who on purge night goes out in an armored ambulance and just fucking tries to save people who got shot during purge shit. I like that idea. I like it because, I mean, I know it's a it's a setting that you're not really meant to take that seriously because, oh, why would the purge be real? But like, that's a very real response to the purge it's like oh everyone shooting themselves i don't want everyone to die yeah so i will save them yeah that's a very human response yeah yeah it all it's clever for this franchise i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fucking sit here and say like oh the purge is some fucking big man the purge is very no, on the nose about what no. the purge is very on the nose about what the message is yeah, Purge knows that it's the Purge. Yeah, like. but the fucking the one of the posters for the first Purge has a red baseball cap that says the first Purge on it in the same font as Make America Great Again. Yeah, they know what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, they know they know what they're on about. Yeah, they know that fucking nobody comes here for fucking subtle imagery and subtext and shit. They are here yeah. for murder and guess what? Fuck everything. Yeah, they're here for blood and gore, and that is what they will get. <laughs> Yeah, the political message, they know. It's it's baked into the fucking premise. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm surprisingly finding myself more and more a purge fan. So much so that I'm actually really interested in seeing the first purge. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the purge, it's a it is a surprising fucking growing franchise. 
and there will be there's a I believe a ten episode TV special series coming out. Oh, okay, about the purge. Yeah, about the purge from yeah. from fucking Blumhouse. Oh, okay. So that, mm. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that works. Yeah. So we'll, on I guess the lore is what we'll get. Yeah. So moving on to TV shows. Yes. So I'll start with what I watched least up to what I watched the most of. So Outpost. Okay. The Outpost. It is a new yeah, CW no, I... fantasy series. Oh, okay. I watched five minutes. <laughs> okay. So picture, if you will, a Renaissance fair. Oh, is that where they dress up like fantasy? Uh, not fantasy, just old timey. Old timey. Yeah. So imagine, so imagine like Renaissance fair. You know, like plaster stonework, um, just little fucking carts or whatever. Um, all kind of built like they were to be shot, from, like they were to be filmed from a certain angle. Fill that with future fantasy peasants, and have those peasants be mainly made up of understudy actors from Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Like the first spoken line of dialogue is a dude with face tattoos going, Where's my ale? With that yeah, accent. I, yeah, okay. But you just sit there at a Renaissance fair. That's what people do. Now imagine you're supposed to take it seriously. Okay. Or, okay, I see where you're going. Yep. Yeah, this, the outpost is not actually set in a Renaissance fair. It looked like it was filmed on the set of. It looked like it was filmed on a Renaissance fair oh. that was made into a set. Wait, oh wait, so okay, wait, 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 wait. So what you're saying is that it's not actually a Renaissance fair. It's actually that's the set. That's the set. And that's the and that's the set and that's the setting. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! It is. It is in some fucking future medieval fantasy thing. And it's about this one girl was one woman who is the last of the black bloods. Her family mm, was killed okay. by somebody with some kind of tattoo. Uh, she found the episode starts with her finding the tattoo artist who fucking made that tattoo. And her mm. going to talk to him to try to find out more info. Then the guards come in and it turns into a big fucking brouhaha as one of the guards has an itchy trigger, trigger finger and shoots a guy running a stall because he tries to run away. Is it not guns? Like crossbows? Yeah, it's it's fantasy. Fantasy, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could mean a lot of things. It's medieval. Okay, yeah. Yeah, in case, yeah, it's, 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 it's future medieval, I think. Because it's not like actual medieval. Because like the style of tattoos and also like other shit, it looks, it has the trappings of future, it has the trappings of future medieval. Yeah, okay, I see, yeah, I see, I see what you're on about, yeah. Yeah, so, turns into a big fucking brouhaha, everybody's fucking getting cut down with swords and stuff, uh, nobody bleeds at all, and the swords barely touch people. It's all horribly, it's all horribly choreographed and acted. And then they do the thing that all cheap fantasy movies do, they run into the woods. Yes. Because no matter, because no matter what woods. you do to the woods, the woods look like fantasy. Yeah. And it's also you don't have to do the set design because yeah, there's it's no the set design. Woods. Just find just find a neat looking log. Yeah. 
Find a good patch of trees and you've done it, boys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's sad. But yeah, oh. then at that point I had to pause because I was laughing too hard. And so I need to go watch other stuff. Yeah, okay, I can see it. And I just, oh. it It is so bad. It is so terrible that I feel like I should go back and watch more of it. Just, just to see. Yeah, I. It's like a, it's like a scream or a Riverdale thing. Of just this is so terrible. I need to see what happens next. Okay, look here. This is like the Google blurb. I'm skipping over bits, but it says, um, as she makes the journey, she discovers that she possesses a mysterious supernatural power that she now must learn to control. Not only to defend herself, but to defend the world against the tyranny of a fanatical religious dictator. Yup. Okay. <laughs> Y'all like YA novels? Yeah. This is a this is a young adult fantasy. So yeah, if you're in, kinda... yeah, so if you are into young adult fantasy and Ren Fair is put on by high school students. Yeah, you, you might like this show. <laughs> Yep. Anywho, moving right along. You may, you may notice that I've mentioned Black Mirror a couple times this, ep- this episode. That's because I watch Black Mirror. The- I need to be in the right mood to watch Black Mirror. Yeah, Black, Mir- Black Mirror is a kind of heavy show. Yeah, Black Mirror is not a show be- that I can binge like other Netflix shows like I have been. Yeah, you kind of have to have a you kind of have a watch, and then you go, "Oh God, now I need to drink." <laughs> yeah, like that second episode with all the screens and how and how that vision of the future is just a set of mouse ears away from being entirely prophetic. <laughs> Mouse you know, Just, one day you have. You to, know, one day that mouse will come after us. You have to pay money to skip ads. If you are not, if you are above a certain weight range, then you are then you are considered a subclass of human. If you if you take your eyes off of a screen, then a high pitched noise starts coming in that will eventually cause bleeding to your ears and fi- actual damage to your shit. A dude tries to make a stand against the fucking system by threatening to kill himself on television. And then gets a show where the entire show is him threatening to kill himself on television. Yeah. Hmm. It's good. Sweet. So oh, is this um, episode two? Yeah, first two episodes. That's as, that's as far as I've gotten because I need time. Like at least the Twilight Zone. Had the decency to throw in, you know, one of you know the fucking pit one for the angels every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. It would start out with just with this horrible existential dread of like, oh god, what the fuck is happening? Everything's terrible. I am I alone in this world? What has happened? And then it'll just be, hey, this nice old man, this this nice little this nice dude, just fucking. Pitches death on every single fucking tchotchke he has in his briefcase to keep a little girl from dying. That's just nice. It's calming. It's a it's a yeah. palate cleanser. 
with the you way don't really get that. Yeah, with the way that Black Mirror <laughs> runs, you don't get that. It is just nonstop. Yeah. Mainly because it only does three episode seasons. Well, no, I think the first like three seasons had like two to three episodes, and then after that, they got more. They got like up to five or six episode seasons, I think. I am double checking. Yeah. So, um, yes. Season one, three episodes. Season two, three episodes. Then a special. Season three, six episodes. Season four, six episodes. Yeah. I think it's because after the popularity, they were like, okay, we can give you more. Yeah, but then with Twilight Zone. Let me just double check that. It's probably like 23 episodes. Uh, The first season was 36 episodes. Yeah. So they had some room to stretch their legs. They had some room to fucking say like, hey, yeah, we'll do the horrible existential dread. We'll do fucking monsters and whatever. But then also we'll fucking throw in like something nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw in the, like, the we'll throw in the cute shit as well because it's like you need it. Yeah. But yeah, but with Black Mirror, I guess with Black Mirror you can always just walk away. Yeah, that's kind of what I need to do. I need to like sit down, watch two episodes of Black Mirror, and then just like fucking eat a pizza and read some Spider Man or something. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not Spider Man. Spider Man's a bad example. Sit down and read some. But Hulk. like you know. Yeah, just just something. Just something nice. Something that is like, hey, we're not doomed. Just read a story about a super-powered gas station attendant who can find anything. Yeah, just, just just something nice and calming and won't want you worrying about the world. <sighs> just mentioning Huck actually made me feel a bit better. <laughs> That's good. I really like Huck. I really like Black Mirror. Black Mirror is a really fucking, really smart, well-done fucking series. Mm. I know I'm not saying anything fucking new or revolutionary here. But yeah, just Black Mirror is fucking amazing. Also amazing, Altered Carbon. I have gotten a bit deeper into that. Last time I was about three episodes in. Now I believe I am like six or seven. I realize now that you said it that I completely forgot to watch it. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it like the first <laughs> show you were on? Like, hey, watch Ultra Carbon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everyone was like, you gotta watch it. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And now I realize I actually haven't. <laughs> Man, Ultra Carbon has been keeping going. It has been, it has still been fucking really well done. It has been super interesting and super fucked and hedonistic and shit. Like, in one of the episodes, we learned that, um, so, Bancroft, he has two kids, a son and a daughter. Yeah. Those two kids both have their own copy of one of their parents' sleeves. Oh. Yeah. So, so the Bancroft son, he would pretend to be his father and go out on business deals. Because, because Wait, like his how father, old are these kids again? Um, hundreds of years old. Okay, yeah, good point. Yeah, like, like physically, their bodies are like twenty or whatever, but they have been, yeah. but they have been like kept and conditioned into just fucking being children. It was like, hey, you are the fucking heiress or whatever of my fucking empire that I will never pass on to you. 
because I will never die. <laughs> yeah, and and one of the things they actually say um, is that like fucking um, Bancroft, he says that the reason that I look like a fucking forty five year old man is because when you look this age, people give you respect. Yeah. And his fucking kid wants to be his dad. His kid wants to be his kid wants his dad to respect him and to be the next and to be like an actual fucking businessman. But his dad won't let his sleeve age. So instead what he does. So instead what he does is he go is he jacks himself, spins himself up in a sleeve of his dad's and then goes out and conducts business as his dad. Basically so that he gets the respect that he feels he is owed and that he that stuff happens or whatever. And that yeah. he and that so that he's able to go out there and actually do fucking business and show that he's actually a decent businessman. Meanwhile the God, daughter <laughs> Meanwhile the daughter just creeps me out. Meanwhile the daughter spins herself up in one of her mom's sleeves to fuck dudes. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Kind of like the meths of the Methuselahs, uh, they are very much just all kind of hedonism. Mm. Like one of their fucking things is they they hired a married couple to kill each other because that is the married couple's oh. job. They are fighters in a legally sanctioned death match ring that fight each other and kill each other. Because the winner gets a new sleeve, and the loser oh. gets the gets the repair for their sleeve covered. Okay, yeah. God, this is a wild show. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, we also get to meet um our guy. We also get to meet um Takeshi's sister. Uh, Ray, she was. She 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 was she's been a prominent character as a motivation for Kovach, uh, but now that we actually get to see her as a person, she is actually she's an actual character now, or maybe not. Who knows? I haven't I haven't got I haven't seen the resolution of that shit yet. But we also got to see a bit more of um of Kovach's training and how he joined up with the Envoys. How many episodes is Altered Car? Ten. Ten, only one season. Uh so far, yes, I believe they have confirmed a second season. Probably, I mean, it got a lot of buzz when it first came out. So yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I did get a lot of buzz, but same time, it's based off of a book. Oh, yeah, good point. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fucking, another fun thing. Um, I finally got to the fucking episode where Max Headroom shows up. That guy, that actor, I can't remember his fucking name. Hmm. Let me see. Let me see. Fuck, 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 Matt Frewer. Yeah, Matt Frewer is in it. He plays a character called Carnage. He runs a fight den. And he has a skin that has some kind of fucking tech under it that lets it, like, reshape its bone structure whenever it wants. Oh, 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 okay. No, mm-mm. Yeah, no. And, so, and so Matt Frewer with his fucking weird cartoon demon face. Then exaggerated a bit more from from like giant stupid fucking hair and weird alienating contact lenses, and then also having prosthetics underneath his own fucking skin. Ooh, it is great. Uh, uh, 
I fucking love Mafruer. And I love Ultra Carmen. It is a fantastic show. And then, yeah, final thing um, that I didn't put on my list because I forgot about it. Um, I have been binging Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love that show. I wa- Netflix, give me the next season. I want season five. <laughs> now. <laughs> well, it's like, Canada came out ahead on head for one of these, for fucking once because we have season five. So suck my nuts. <gasps> no. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, Canada. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've been watching this. I'm currently up to season four. Yeah. Yeah, this show's just I've fucking. Finished season four. This show's just fucking fantastic. Just it is. writing, so performance, good. editing. It all fucking works. They have one of the more well-written relationships in television, I think, with Amy and Jake. Yeah, I know. It's so refreshing. Yeah, it's, like it's, you know, you, it's, you knew they were going to get together from the start, but it's like. Oh. Yeah, but it goes about it in a more natural way. Yeah. Like it, it isn't like, it, it isn't just like some will they won't they bullshit or anything else like that. It is It is like they work together. They fucking have good chemistry together. They play off each other really well. And then they get into a relationship and it's the same kind of thing, just more so. Yeah, and they're, they're together and like, you know, it, yeah, it's it's really nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's just fucking refreshing and well-written, and fuck me, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for season five to come to Australian Netflix. I can't wait for fucking season six, I miss man. It. I miss Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I want to watch more. Get <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone watching, then. On to news. So first up, some interesting news. Oh, yes. uh, So Nicolas Cage. Oh, he's back? Uh, he never left. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage, will, Nicolas Cage has been cast in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the upcoming massive Spider-Man movie. Oh, wait, wait. Is that the animated? Yeah. The one with Miles, Ooh. the one with Miles Morales, Spider Gwen, regular Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas Cage is in it oh. as Spider Man Noir. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait. Nicholas Cage is going to be a Spider Man. Nicholas Cage is going to be a Spider Man. <laughs> and this is in the same year awesome. that, and this is in the same year that Nicholas Cage plays Superman. Wait, what? In Teen Titans Go to the Movies, the Teen Titans Go film, Nicolas Cage does the voice of Superman. What? Fulfilling the dream that he fulfilling the dream that never came to fruition with the Tim Burton Spider-Man movie Tim Burton Superman movie. This is wild. Yeah. I can't. So, Nicolas Cage has been Ghost Rider. Wait, is that the right one? Yep, he's been Ghost Rider. He's been Ghost Rider. He's been and the now bad he's lieutenant. Spider Man. Yeah, and now, and, and now also Superman. And Spider Man, and fucking, and, Sp- and the dude from Face Off, and The Rock, 
and fucking Conair and goddamn fucking what is that fucking Shadow of the Vampire? I think. No, not Shadow of the Vampire. That's the wrong one. It was a uh, Vampire's Kiss. That's what it was. And he was the dude from Drive Angry. And he was Big Daddy from Kick Ass. Oh God, Nicholas Cage is great. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all happening. Um, Spider-Man Noir, for those who don't know, is a it's an offshoot of the Spider-Verse set in like 1920, 1930s New York, where Spider-Man, instead of being fucking just like, you know, fucking quirky or whatever, he is he wears all leather and carries guns. Yeah. He's, he's essentially the noir version of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So he joins a cast that includes Mahershala Ali as the uncle, as the prowler, the uncle of Miles Morales. Um, Shamik Moore as Miles Morales. Haley Seinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Spider-Gwen. Jake Johnson as Peter Parker. Liev Schreiber as the Kingpin. Huh. And Lily Tomlin as Aunt May. Fuck, I want to see this I, movie. Yeah, I just, I just want to see this movie so badly now. <laughs> coming out this December, in North America at least. Oh, okay, wait. If it's coming out in your December, we're probably going to get it around the same time. You say that now, but watch it come out in I, fucking June. Yeah, probably. Fuck, I want to see this. God. God, it's such a good fucking... I love the cast list because it's like it's Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> yep, Spiderman, Spiderman, Spiderman. Anywho, moving right along. Uh, according to reports from Variety, um, Idris Elba is um, in talks really? to star as yeah. Idris Elba is in talks to play the villain for the upcoming Fast and Furious spinoff. Starring Jason Statham and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay. I'm glad Idris Obler is getting a paycheck. Yeah. So the movie, um, Hobbs and Shaw, as it is called, uh, is going to be directed by David Leitch. Um, hope I pronounced that name right. He was the director of Deadpool 2 and the co-creator and co-director of the um, John Wick movies. Oh. This is actually giving me a little hope. Yep. So he's directing it. And... Um, the Rock and Jason Statham are both going to be reprising their role as Special Agent Luke Hobbs and Deckard Shaw mm-hmm. from the Fast and Furious film franchise. Yeah, okay. Uh, it is set to come out um, July 26th next year. Oh, okay. All right, then. I believe that's... I don't know. There are a lot of fucking dates on here. Art- articles are weird. Yeah, I mean, dates don't always mean what they are. But yeah, that's happening. I've always been a fan of Fast and Furious. Yeah, I mean, I've only really known them as the car movies. Yeah, well, to be fair, that's what they are. Yeah. They're the movies where people drive fast cars. Yeah, exactly. The the fast cars, there's people there, more cars. (laughs) Yeah. Cars on top of cars on top of cars. Yeah, they're just cars, 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 cars. I think the eighth one where there is a wave of zombie cars. 
That is a thing that happened, and I still can't fucking believe it. Anywho, move right along to our next piece of news. Uh, so, coming out of Entertainment Weekly, we got our first look at Zachary Levi in the Shazam costume. Wait. Which is big news for me, because I'm a big fan of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which is what this character's name is, not motherfucking Shazam. Yeah, that's just what he says. Well, it's also the name of the wizard and an acronym for where he gets his powers from. Yeah, he has the Wisdom of Solomon, the Strength of Hercules, the Courage of Achilles, the um, the, the Might of Zeus, the Speed of, the Speed, uh, the, well, the something of another A, and then the Speed of Mercury. I can never remember that fucking second A. Wait, Ares Automus? Stamina of Atlas. Atlas. Yeah, that's what it fucking was. Yeah, he, get, he gets them from Solomon. Hercules, yeah, Solomon, Hercules, Achilles, Zeus, Atlas, and Mercury. That's what it was. Wait, is this a movie or a show? Movie. Movie, okay. Yep. It is, yeah, it is, Um. well, I guess for everyone at home, it is a picture of, yeah, we got our first look um, at this thing. It's a picture of Zachary Levi in the suit with Jack Dylan Grazer, who played, um, who played, um, I believe, uh, yeah, he played Eddie in uh, two th- in the 2017 It movie. Yeah, they're just they're having a drink. Yep. Outside of a convenience store, I well, guess. Looks of it. Yeah, I know. We'd probably, I, I, okay, I'd probably say service station, but I, I don't see any pumps anywhere. Yeah, this is just a fucking. That's a Seven Eleven. Yeah. But yeah, I. I want to see a Captain Marvel movie. Yes. Just, I love that character. Uh, Billy Batson is just a cool fucking dude. Uh, the, I think he can make a solid fucking, all that shit. And on top of this, um, Jimon Honsu has also been cast to play the wizard in Shazam. Which, that's a fucking get. Yeah. But it's a DCU, it's a DCEU movie. So it's going to be dog shit. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. It's from the director of Lights Out. And Annabelle Creation. <laughs> Such a bad fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And uh, that is a problem. And fuck it. The villain's fucking Dr. Savannah. It's not just goddamn Black Bolt again. It is actually, it's not just going to be, hey, I got the fucking. It's not going to be hero versus evil version of hero. It's going to be Hero versus somebody else, and that's somebody else played by Mark Maul fucking Strong. We have such a good fucking cast, and it's going to be dog shit. Fuck, man. Yeah, I mean, but what can we do? Fucking 
try to earn try to earn like 70 billion dollars to buy dc away from warner brothers yeah yeah start a kickstarter to try to buy the rights become a billionaire overnight and then no not even overnight just fucking just start up a kickstarter saying like hey i'm dead uh i am here today to try to raise um 70 billion dollars to purchase the rights to to purchase the entirety of dc comics from warner brothers they have been fucking up for too long we need to fix this (laughs) i know nothing about business i'm assuming 70 billion will be enough let's find out (laughs) let's find out (laughs) come on this journey with me and you will have a point point and you'll have a point zero 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 one percent stake in DC Comics as a company. Okay. I will also kick Jeff Johns in the balls. Okay, thank you. You now have my money. Sorry, I'm just looking at this photo again, but closer up, and it it looks like he's got like foam muscles. No, so that's the thing. Uh, he has been putting—he has been putting in the work to get muscles and stuff. He is bulky. He just doesn't have the definition that you kind of need to be to be superheroes, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I like the kid in the crutches though. I need to get a crutch for my left arm. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Uh, so, remember that Goosebumps movie that came out not too long ago? That was terrible. With Jack Black being yeah. Jack Black. Yeah, 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 I like Jack Black the movie. Yeah, so that movie was terrible. They're doing a sequel. Yes. Oh. And it has a trailer. Jack Black? Uh, from the looks of it, there is no Jack Black. Well, then what's the point of the goddamn movie? Money. Oh. See, but if I can give the money to Jack Black... <laughs> I mean, you probably can. I'm fine mean, with it. I mean, it's, we're fucking like, what, a month away from starting a Kickstarter? Or like a Patreon? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. support me while I'm not working? Give us money to give to Jack Black. But yeah, so it's called Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween. And it is about a group of kids who go to an abandoned, who go to one of R.L. Stein's abandoned old homes and find a locked away, hidden 63rd Goosebumps book. Oh, spooky. And then the thing that happened in the first movie happens again. Yeah. Where all the Goosebumps monsters come out, and then Slappy is like, hey, guess what, fuckers, I win. Eat my ass. But no Jack Black, which makes this worse. (laughs) Yep, instead it's got terrible kid actors who act about as well as the kids from the first movie. I just want more Jack Black. (laughs) Fucking go suck his dick then. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm a Jack Black fan as well. That movie was not good. No, it was not at all. So yeah, be sure to go to patreon.com slash Jack Black. <laughs> the man's a fucking national treasure. He needs to be supported. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, in news that I feel like might shock some people, there's going to be a Joker. There's going to be an origin story movie for the Joker. From the guy who made the Hangover franchise, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Wait. wait. Yes. This is happening. Todd Phillips 
directing and co-writing the script with Scott Silver. Are going to be making an origin story movie for the fucking Joker. Yeah. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Really? Yes. Yes. That's what we're going with. Warner Brothers has described the movie as, quote, an exploration of a man disregarded by a society that is not only a gritty character study, but also a broader cautionary tale. Can we not focus on the Joker anymore? No, we can't. Can we? The Joker is the best villain. Thus, we have to explore every aspect of his character, even when that would destroy his character. Apparently, his siblings' names are River Phoenix, Rain Phoenix, Summer Phoenix, Liberty Phoenix, and Joden Bottom. Do you mean Joaquin Phoenix's siblings or the Joker siblings? No, no, no. Is this movie about Joaquin Phoenix becoming the Joker? Yeah. Like, in this world, Joaquin Phoenix never became an actor and instead just was in Gotham City one day and then then got some fucking chemical shit spilled on him by Batman and then becomes the Joker. If that was the actual movie, if the movie was about Joaquin Phoenix being turned into the Joker, I would be totally down for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be more here for it than just an origin story. It will no, not be that. It, won't. it will instead be, hey, this criminal is insane. They then spilled chemicals on him. Then he was the same criminal, but different colors. Yeah, he now has green hair, which you can easily do with a lot of bleach and the right dye. I hate Joker origin stories because every Joker origin story, except for the killing joke, makes him already crazy. Yeah. Like, I know however much Alan Moore and everybody else fucking hates The Killing Joke, because The Killing Joke has, has is a story that has not aged well at all. No, it has not at all. The one thing that has aged well is this origin story for the Joker that they give. So much so that that has been the established fucking origin story for the Joker for most people. And the whole fucking credo at the end of it, just one bad, just the difference between Batman and the Joker is one bad day. That's the fucking whole fucking thing. Yeah. The Joker was just a fucking regular dude. And then something happened that made him the Joker. Having him already be crazy defeats the purpose of him becoming the Joker. Yeah, because then he's just the Joker, but not. Yeah. He's just just the Joker, but less on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody really gets that. No fucking person making movies understands that about the Joker. No. Hell, DC Comics released a released a book that was just the Joker. Like they did two books from Brian Azzarello. One of them was called Luther. One of them was called Joker. The Luther book was a Superman story told from the point of view of Lex Luther. So we got to see we got to see inside Luther's head and how he views the world, especially Superman. And Superman looked like a fucking monster. Which is how Lex Luthor sees him. With the Joker book, we didn't get inside the Joker's head. We instead got inside the head of somebody who was the Joker's best friend for about a week and a half. Mm. Which is how you should do it. The Joker is interesting the less we know about what he is thinking and doing. Yeah, because then once once you remove the mystery, you've kind of removed... The Joker. Yeah. 
<sighs> that movie's coming out. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Apparently, though, it'll have a production budget of around $55 million, which is much less than what you would expect. Yeah. That's sub-Deadpool she... 1 money. Yeah. I guess they're not putting that much uh, faith into it. Yeah, maybe not. You know yeah. what? Or, pro- or, they're save, or they're saving all that money it. for the next Jared Leto Joker movie. Yeah. God. Jared Leto's Joker was fucking abysmal. Yeah. That's because we gave it to Jared Leto. <laughs> That's the thing. Jared Leto's a good actor. Like fucking, yeah. like fucking Dallas Buyers Club, motherfucking American Psycho. Jared yeah, Leto okay. was an actor before a musician. Yeah. Just he was not the right fit for the Joker, nor was the writing or the directing or the costuming. Well, the movie he was in. All of it was terrible. Anywho. Yeah. Those were news. On to the releases for this week. The week of July 13th, we have, first up, Skyscraper, a.k.a. The Rock Does Die Hard. <gasps> the Rock! Yep. Oh, is that this one where everyone was complaining about the poster because he was jumping from building to building and he wouldn't have made it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Funny yep. thing, we see that shot in the trailer, he doesn't make it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he slams to the side of the building, grabs onto a rope, and gets the rope tied around his prosthetic leg. <gasps> He's got a prosthetic leg? Yes. That's okay. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Skyscraper, Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, is hired to do like a security checkup for the world's tallest skyscraper, which, as he describes in the film, is basically a city done vertically. He like he his wife and his two kids they live in one floor which has a park in it. Awesome! That actually sounds kind of cool. <laughs> then terrorists invade and take over the building. Yay! And it's Yay! up to it's up to Dwayne the Rock Johnson and his one leg to fight them off, save his family, and find out the truth behind this skyscraper. Whoa! God, isn't this gonna be a movie? Like I said, it's Die Hard featuring The Rock. Yeah. I'll come out this week. Sorry to bother you. Oh, shit. Okay, that's actually coming out this week. Yeah, this week. Uh, so for Australia, it'll probably get in like next year. Yeah, I'm just going like to quick, a quick check <laughs> <laughs> with my local cinema. I just went to the I just went to the Rotten Tomatoes page to see more about it, and the image they the feature image they have for it is Tessa Thompson in a shirt that says "The Future is Female Ejaculation." God, I want to see this. Yeah, it's not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. Yeah, yeah and Mama also, Mia, here we go again. Mamma Mia Two is definitely coming. Oh, word. Word. How how does that have a sequel? Um. What is a sequel to Mamma Mia? I think it's from the trailers that I've seen. Is that 
the girl from the first movie. I think the okay, so wait, the first movie was about a girl under coming to the understanding that her mom fucked. And yeah, yeah, she it, yeah. potentially had three dads. Yeah, now, yeah, she, yeah, she went through, yeah, she went through her mom's journal, found out that her mom fucks, and then called yeah. up the three people that were most that could most likely be her dad based on math. Yeah. And this one is about her journey living somewhere so here's the description. Land, which but she's also pre- now pregnant. So here's the description from Wikipedia. Five years after the events of Mama Mia on the Greek island of Calicari, probably mispronounced that horribly, Sophie, played by Amanda Seyfried, is pregnant with Skies, played by Dominic Cooper's child, while running her mother, while running her mother, played by Meryl Streep's villa. Her relationship with Skye has been turbulent and complicated for a while, self-conflicted and worried that she can't do it by herself without her mother around, but with Tanya and Rosie's guidance, who gives a fuck what they are, Sophie will find out more about more of Donna's past. I'm assuming Donna's her mom. Yep. yep Donna's her mom. Yep. Yep. In finding out about Donna, Sophie will be will be discovering how she confronted the how she fronted the dynamos, came to start up her villa on the island from nothing, met each one of Sophie's dads, and raised a daughter bravely on her own without a mother to guide her. Yep, that sounds like yep. So it's about Amanda yep. Seyfried discovering that her mom is just like her. Oh, yep. That's literally yep. Well, that sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, but I mean, it's Mamma Mia too. That makes it sound even worse. <laughs> also coming out this week, Hotel Transylvania 3. Yes. A franchise that I am surprised to see still does well. Like both like both like financially and critically. Yeah. We are on the know. third Adam Sandler film in this series. I think it's because people can't recognize him as Adam Sandler because he has such a bad Transylvanian vampire accent. That makes us stand out as Adam Sandler more. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, like I guess it's also a kids movie, and like it's reasonably well animated and character designed. Like I'm looking at all three movies right now. They've actually gone up in score. Like, Hotel Transylvania 1 is a 44, 2 has a 55, 3 has a 70. Wait, what? A 70? Yeah. Huh. Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation delivers exactly what fans will expect, which means another 97 agreeable, li- agreeably lightweight minutes of fast-paced gags and colorful animation. Great PG-13. Yay! Oh no, just PG. Sorry, I forgot this. I forgot this wasn't a traditional Rob Schneider movie. (laughs) Anywho, next week, I think it's July twentieth. We got the Equalizer two, aka the new dad action franchise. Mm. Yeah, everything I've seen about this movie and the first movie is just. This is a movie for dads. Just old dudes Ooh. who like old style action and watching old people do it. Yeah. Yeah. The Breaker Uppers. The what? The the Breaker Uppers. The fuck is the Breaker Uppers? The the Breaker Uppers is um 
these two ladies run a business where they break up uh, couples for money. So, like, you know, if someone doesn't want to break up with their partner, they go to the breaker uppers and they break up for you. <laughs> and uh, I think the story is about these two ladies, uh, is one of these ladies in this duo actually falling in love with one of their clients. And then the oh, that's hilarious a that, That's a fucking disparaging score. 90, 90% critic rating, 46% audience rating. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah, then also fucking Mamma Mia, here we go again. Fucking kill me. Yep. <laughs> and that's basically it for next week. Yep, that's, yeah. Just dad action the sequel and fucking kill yourself. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with Caveman Mint, probably. Uh, do more of this shit. <laughs> Till then, I'm dead. I'm Rascal. I'm fucking hungry. See you guys next time. <laughs>